You're listening to episode 13-6 of the Tech Gaming Podcast, the long-awaited, off-delayed show that's arriving, just like Jeremy's Amazon shipment, just a few days after the holidays. I, as usual, I'm your host, Robert Desert Eagle Allen, and with me is my Shima Pan-loving sibling, no other than Eric Blue Swim. Robert, did you have a holly lolly Christmas? You know it. Also joining us is the voice of reason in all this madness. I'm talking about Jeremy Lawman Lamont. It's me, but I'm face down in my connects because Lego is a rip-off piece of shit brand. <laughs> How much are they paying you, Jeremy, for that plug? You know what? I, I With the money that they're paying me to say, I could get tons of Kinect sets and just one or two It sounds Lego too much like Microsoft Connect for me. Yeah, I know, and, and, and that's, that's probably why they don't really sell them, so... <laughs> and speaking of, the voice of the consumer is here. I'm talking about Sage Samarage Morris Green. Hello. How did I become the voice of the consumer? Sticking up. The voice of voice of the angry consumer. Yeah. I see. <laughs> I think it was all the like fuck Xbox, Xbone, Microsoft. Oh rights. my god, it's a piece of shit. I'm not the only person to have thought so now that they've finally come out. Lots of people are upset about what a piece of shit it is. It's not just me. Yeah. Not, <laughs> apparently we'll the, get to that. the man wasn't that great either. <laughs> I'll table it. So, like last year's end of the year episode, I thought uh, we'd start this show off uh, on somewhat of a downbeat note by briefly discussing the studios and also game developers that are no longer with us. So with that, Jeremy, a few bars of Claire de Lune, please. Blah, 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 blah. Oh. <laughs> anyway, let, let's start reminiscing. Uh, layoffs, once again, have plagued the industry, not only in development, but also in journalism, meaning um, once uh, prosperous sites like uh, 1UP, UGO, and GameSpy, they're no longer with us. And uh, similarly, the layoffs have been uh, ubiquitous, affecting outlets um, uh, such as uh, Machinima, uh, Publisher, Square Enix, EA, GRI, Harmonix, Capcom, Sega, Tryon Worlds, IO Interactive, uh, High Moon Studios, Team Bondi, Superbot. Seems like no one has uh, escaped the Grim Reaper there. Uh, so, so in memoriam, we want to talk about a few uh, studios that we lost this year. Uh, let's start things off with 2K. Uh, they were uh, the developers, the studio behind the Bureau, XCOM, Declassified, Bioshock 2. Yeah. Did you guys play those? Of course. I just <laughs> picked up uh, XCOM Declassified, and I... Like the concept, it was just the execution wasn't quite there. But it, it reminded me of, I'm trying to remember the name of that old uh, uh, Xbox game where uh, it was modeled after a military simulation, uh, Full Spectrum Warrior, and you try oh, to yeah, flank yeah, yeah. the enemy. It, it was Surprisingly, it was a lot like that. Um, so so uh, 2K Marin no longer with us. Everyone knows THQ uh, behind the Saints Row, Darksiders, Red Faction, MX versus ATV, Blue, the WWE, and Warhammer 2K mm -hmm. franchises. Fortunately, most of those uh, were sold off. Um, uh, THQ also published a number of breakout uh, kind of smaller titles. Uh, my personal favorites, The Blob, uh, Blob 2, uh, mm -hmm. really good. Do you guys have any THQ? favorites um i'm trying to well, think which one r.i.p you guys i guess not <laughs> well i i mean for me of course the wwe brand is you know something that i've always associated with uh, thq because i mean you can go back in time and mm -hmm. they were making the wcw games and then oh. there was like a big controversy and like uh the thq team started making the wwf games and it was just like whoa like everybody's like making different games and stuff like, you know, or everybody's moving different companies or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, 
But, you know, I, I remember just, you know, lining up at Funko Land to get uh, WWF Funko No Mercy Land. a day before it came out and taking that home, playing it and <laughs> as appropriate as it sounds, uh, finding out that there was a game breaking freeze glitch in it and I had to take my copy back <laughs> and get a new one. Yeah, sadly, that was all too typical for the franchise. There was, I think they put in at least three every year. That was the but mandatory they, requirement. But they had some like pretty big good ones. Like they did Darksiders and they did yeah. uh, Destroy All Humans and they did Yeah, Destroy All Humans. I, I really liked that one until it I kind did of too. Uh, it kind of uh I don't know, withered away. I think it got away from pandemic and uh, I f- I think part of their problem was that they did a lot of thi- like they did a lot of the sort of uh Nickelodeon kind of crossover into mm-hmm. game games and I think that they just had so much they had to work with that that they had to divide so much attention between all those different games that I think that probably made it hard to keep things consistently solid. And all those U draws, Jeremy, you still yes. have the U draw? <laughs> yeah, I was looking at the U draw. In fact, I dust that U draw every week. You dust it. You don't use it. <laughs> I dust it. No, no. Of course no, I dust it. I have I have two U draws. <laughs> Rarely use them. Uh, next on a, on my you list, could, you could tape them together and they could be a Wii U draw. <laughs> oh, you're right there. Yay! <laughs> next on my list, Blitz Games. Uh, personally, some of their early stuff I really like for the PlayStation One War Games Defcon One uh, was a licensed game. I remember I bought fairly early and I thought it would suck because how could you turn War Games into a fun little you know game? And it was a nice uh, action title. Uh, Glover for the Nintendo sixty four. Yeah. Uh, oh pack- my god, I haven't thought about Glover for like 15 years. <laughs> Not even you know Danny who Glover? thought about Glover in a while? Everybody. <laughs> oh, uh, There's Donald Glover from uh, Community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pac-Man World 3. Mm-hmm. We're behind that. Uh, next on our list, LucasArts. Any oh, that was them? a big one. Yeah, I'm upset about that. I uh, remember as a kid playing Rescue on Fractulus. Do you guys remember that one? It was the first game that ever made me jump. You're in a spaceship, and the name came because the the landscape was generated by fractal geometry. And every once in a while, there would be an alien who would just bang on the, the front window of your spaceship, and then he would crack it, but it would make this really loud noise. Um, so scare me. That was basically the whole game. Uh, there's Super Star Wars I, games for SNES. Uh, really mm-hmm. good. Hard as hell, but uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Love that game. Uh, I like the Thrillville franchise. Uh, Gladius. Uh, played that on the GameCube. Ghoul Patrol. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of those. Uh, they also did Maniac Mansion really early on, which yes. was a really cool game. Yes, one of my favorite. Uh, point and and the Monkey Island games, which are yes. fucking awesome. I was going to awesome. say, you guys better talk All about the scum it. Games. Yeah, all the yeah. all the scum based games were really good. And Any other? Sad about the Monkey Island not being a thing anymore. Yeah, yeah tons of other games. X Wing, the X Wing series. Yes, Tie Fighter, Tie Fighter, Tie Fighter. Awesome. Yep. That was, that uh, was one did, of my first um... favorite PC games because you know, you know, being able to sit in like this, this very very low polygonal or polygonal uh, Tie Fighter and shooting shooting like a, I guess you know the rebel ships or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was like one of my earliest PC gaming memories. And then, of course, you know, when, um, you know, the Nintendo 64 came around, yeah. and you had Shadows of the Empire, which was a fantastic spinoff fr- franchise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of, of course, Rogue Squad. I, I think yeah. Rogue Squad 2 on the GameCube was one of the best launch games on any system of all time. That just, just seeing like the little um, like the shimmering off of the torpedoes uh, mm-hmm. when you fired them in like the demo 
sold me on getting a GameCube day one, no doubt about it. I, I can't remember the place I tried the demo, but it's just—it's like I, when I saw, you know, all that like you know, like a wave effect in space. I knew I had to be there day one to get that, mm-hmm. yeah. and it was absolutely I, uh, worth. I was gonna say I used to be a, a big uh, Star. Well, I used to be a big Star Wars nerd. I, I actually I wore a Star Wars shirt uh, this Christmas unwrapping presents. Uh, just had mm-hmm. a big red Star Wars on it. And uh, when we played when we played X Wing, uh, my friend and I we were such huge nerds. We would do we would do like third party scenario builders for for X Wing where you could like place your own ships and time them when they when they jumped in when they jumped out. You could set little objectives and things like that. We would sit and we would turn on like God mode or whatever the equivalent of God mode, and we would sit and fire off lasers one at a time, into Star Destroyers to find out exactly what type of hit points their shields had, what type of hit points their hulls had. Um, wow. Honestly, we would do all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, that was one of the first games that for... for uh, th- there wasn't really anything special about it, but in the mm-hmm. same way that in XCOM you could name, you know, your characters after your friends, you could actually name the pilots in your squadron, and so I would always name them after my friends. And I think I've talked about it on this show before, but they would invariably at the start of the mission, run headfirst into some freighter or something and die. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you'd end up with a lot of a lot of pilots killed in action that way. But I uh, do that with worms, but... and for some reason, Jeremy always gets killed. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you. No, I think their uh, Star Wars games were the best. I mean, the yeah. I and the other one I really liked was Grim Fandango, which Tim yes. Schaefer worked uh, on before yes. he left. That was good stuff. Yeah. And that was when they switched to their 3D engine, they, the Grim E engine or whatever. So uh, LucasArts, Arts uh, now property of Disney. Speaking of Disney, we have Junction Point Fucking Studios. Disney. Oh uh, wait, I didn't realize. Did Lucas sell everything to Disney? I believe so. Well, they the, right now Lucas Arts actually still exists, and they are still, I believe, publishing. Um, they they must handle they're they're not doing it. My understanding is that it was just the development portion of I mean, which is you know what we're talking about the, the you know the important part of it. But they still exist as an entity, I believe. Uh, for example, they published like Tiny Death Star and uh, something else just came out here just recently. See, hey, but I, before we move on, I had heard from, something different that Disney was going to get uh, third parties to create some of the Lucas Arts uh, future properties. Making something. All, all I know is that. Yeah. Yeah, as of just recently, I mean, they still have, um, you know, publishing... Three people in the office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. There's probably people, you know, handling, uh, like, let's see what the most recent one was. Uh, Tiny Death Star, uh, Disney Infinity, Angry Birds, Star Wars. Um, I, think, all... I think they, they published Disney Infinity? I think Robert's uh, right, they, though. Because I just looked it up. They probably had partial credit. I, I just looked it up and it says that Disney decided to lay off the entire LucasArts staff and get rid of them and hire third-party people to do anything Star Wars related. So but, but, I, you know, in, G- in Jeremy, um, Jeremy might be right that they might have a handful of like PR people who still, yeah, still handle I mean, I, the LucasArts um, franchises. You know, doing it's a ghost ship. It's a ghost <laughs> ship. Yep. With no hit. Before before we move on off of their Star Wars games or whatever, I just want to give a special shout out to Yoda stories, which um, or Indiana Jones and his desktop adventures, which were awful. No, dude, no, no, they were awesome. And you know what? I would love to see those come back. (laughs) I still wanted to like those games, but they were awful. No, no, they were they were totally they were great. And you know what? All you had to do was you know fucked up the Star Wars games, turned them into like casual click. No, like hey, listen, that was spelunky before there was Spelunky, right? It like was Ren- closer to Minesweeper. <laughs> they were, they, it was like the cross... No, it was hey, like listen, Minesweeper with Yoda. 
I'm going to argue, no, it was not like Minesweeper. Look, it was like an adventure game that was randomly generated every time. And, you know, it was so, it's sort of in the same sense that, you know, randomly generated Diablo or Spelunky or, you know, whatever. You, you have pieces that kind of fit together and you could set large areas, small areas or whatever. And you'd have little puzzles to go through. And it was like adventure games. I mean, it was basically like fetch quests and stuff. But, you know, you could get, you could get inventory. and stuff. I mean, they, come on, come on. It was good. You lost it was me good at Fetch Quest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's trying to sell Fetch Quest. It was, it was fun. <laughs> Listen, no, yeah. no, but bring it back on Vita. LucasArts, I know one of you is still out there listening to oh, this Oh, yeah, show. bring it back on Vita. Yeah. Stories, there is Vita. one of them Yoda listening. Stories, That's yeah. the entire employee. There is no more LucasArts. They're dead. It's a ghost ship with no hit points that's untouchable. It's ethereal. It's gone. It's never coming back. <laughs> Also, like that's... Warren Spector, um, Junction Point Studios, uh, creators of <laughs> Epic Mickey and Epic Mickey 2. Oh, really? You guys play those? Yeah, yeah. That was at the beginning of the year. Um, I, I need to tell you, uh, we we already had Epic Mickey 2 because it was two-player and my kids could play it, but I just, mm. for this Christmas, got Epic Mickey 1. So I did my part. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Warren Spector. <laughs> a little too late. <laughs> I think he just isn't a draw anymore. I think that's but, sort you of know, true. I, I really respect Warren Spector, not, not, not just as a person or as a developer with a vision, but I respect the, the specific games that he brought back. Those were such passion projects for him, and to hear him talk right. about it, he was so into it. And I just loved listening to him talk about how he, uh, you know, his experience with Disney or why he, mm-hmm. what, you know, animation. He's a big animation nut and that sort of thing. Yeah. Just listening to him talk about, you know, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit and the history mm-hmm. of it and what happened and how I, they had to get the rights to it. I loved the environments of Epic Mickey. His kind of broken down old Disneyland environments. I thought those were genius. It was just kind of the gameplay and the camera that, that set it back. And I would have loved to seen to have seen uh, him correct those problems for like a third one. But sadly, he never got the chance. Next, uh, Danger Close Studios, a.k.a. EA Los Angeles. Uh, a couple of games that I played from them. Lord of the Rings, Battle of Middle Earth, which turned uh, Lord of the Rings into a... Uh, uh, RTS game. I really like the Boom Blocks and Boom Blocks Bash Party games for the Wii. And uh, Medal of Honor Airborne, uh, which converted the kind of corridor shooter into almost an open world um, you know, type of game, which I thought it, it, technically it wasn't that good. It had a lot of frame rate issues and had some snags, but showed a lot of promise. I would have loved to see a follow-up there from Boom Danger Blocks, uh, notoriously Project LMNO from Steven Spielberg, right? Yes. Yep. Is that the one? Yep. Did you uh, play that, Jeremy? That's a great game. For uh, I played it. I didn't. I never owned a copy myself, but I've played it. It was pretty good. I mean, you could throw things at people. It was, you know, it's all right. I mean, it was. It was definitely a neat use. It was of, Angry Birds before Angry Birds. It, it was kind of Angry Birds. Yeah. It, it made yeah. interesting use of three dimensional space, yeah. and uh, you know, it was a very. Um, uh, you know, very physical sort of game yep. to play. I mean, you would get up and you would throw the things, and you mm-hmm. could see. And it actually, it actually worked uh, pretty well. Uh, I'm not sure that. That it ever really took off with with many people. I, I don't know exactly what Steven Spielberg's personal involvement was in it. Uh, from what I understand, he actually was person. It wasn't just a name on it. He actually was very invested in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his. I mean, there there was one block in there that had like a bloody handprint on it, and you know. <laughs> That's peachy. Um, the uh, I, the other thing you mentioned though, uh, Battle for Middle Earth. I lost an entire summer to that game once, yeah. mm-hmm. playing it over and over and over. My wife got. How do you- how do you lose an entire summer as a parent? I mean, I feel like, where were your kids while this was happening? Uh, well, that was, I don't know that that was the summer out. I don't remember daddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was upstairs uh, with dad. Battle for Middle Earth came out in 2004. 
four, so that was pre pre parenthood. Oh, okay. I, was still, I was still just having a lot of sex at that point. Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you yeah. had time well, for that. Well, not got X-rated. Yeah, not not that much because I was playing a lot of Battle for Middle Earth. But um, <laughs> you know, so, weirdly though, weirdly, I have Battle for Middle Earth two, and I feel really bad about this, but I never once booted up Battle for Middle Earth two. There are a few games where there is a sequel, and presumably the sequel is as good as or better than the original. But I never actually played the sequel, and one of those is the Battle for Middle Earth. Um, where I never played the second one, which you know takes place to me in kind of a more interesting time period that's not set in the movie era. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the pre, you know, there's dragons and dwarven armies and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it sounds really awesome, but I never booted it up because every time I sat down, I would just load up Battle for Middle Earth one. I still uh, have the shortcut, the the keyboard shortcut card. I do too. I've got within, one in Steam. Yes, within reaching distance. Yeah, we should we should play that. We should. We should totally, totally. Yeah. lose another summer. Yeah, right. <laughs> this right. summer, Battle for Middle Earth. Uh, it will be the summer daddy was gone. Where's dad? He's gaming. <laughs> Fruit Loops for breakfast every day. Yeah, here's, here's some candy. TimeGate Studios, <laughs> uh, they created Axis and Allies, Fear Extraction Point, Section 8. Uh, which I kind of dug. I really like Section Eight as well. Yeah. In fact, I it came it came out around the same time. I can't remember was it Section Eight or Section Eight Prejudice that came out around the same time as Halo. Um, I want to see was the follow was, was it Reach? Because there was probably yeah. Because um, I guess Reach came around kind of at the same time, and that had sort of the Reach same around. kind of jumpy jetty. <laughs> A bad Reach choice. came around, yeah. Um, oh god. Um, but <laughs> this this actually predated that and and did a you know and and all of that is kind of spawned off of the mm-hmm. old. Um, uh, tribes, yes, series yeah. where there was a lot of jumping and things like this, and you you could actually uh, call down uh, vehicles and, and mm-hmm. things like that. And I know those guys. I, I actually really I felt like kind of a champion for that because I don't know if I mean it was another shooter, so it got lost and and uh, it was online only, so there wasn't a you know a single player. Well, actually, they did have a campaign for it for the first yeah, one. They, I don't, they had a campaign for the second one, um, but I think those guys ended up getting into some trouble with. Uh, South Peak Interactive was it? Probably, yeah. I think they their were doing publisher, and I can't remember. I, I want to say for about. Prejudice, there was a different publisher. I think there was a different publisher for different platforms. Okay, that that might have been. Uh, I think it was something like that. But anyway, they I think they eventually lost whatever legal scuffle they got into, and I think it. Wow, uh, that was a bad time for think, South Peak because they had that uh, it, battle chess game. I forget, well, it was like battle chess, but it was called something else. And then that never, I think, uh, came out. Uh, they were threatened. Uh, I, I believe that I think TimeGate Studios may have just renamed themselves, and they now do Gate Time. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, like uh, mobile platforms or something. There are a few studios who, who mm-hmm. kind of. Go- I wonder if, uh, well, speaking got, speaking of mobile studios that didn't make it, uh, Bioware San Francisco, they made um, a couple of mo- mobile games, Dragon Age Legends, Mirror's Edge 2D. They did not make it. Uh, we got EA Phonemic. Uh, they were behind the Spellforce series, Lords of Ultima, Battleforge, Command & Conquer, Tiberian Alliances. Oh, that's too bad. I hate yeah. it when any Command & Conquer developer goes under. Yeah. That, that franchise deserved better than what it got. <laughs> I think that's what they put in the press release. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Command and Conquer fans, you deserve better. It was something uh, about that. I, if I'm not mistaken, there was a controversy because the they signed off as if it was the developers, but it was actually Evil Evil A speaking. <laughs> so, uh, are, are there any more developers that we that I overlooked? Um... Well, when you when we were talking about developers that sort of changed track and moved to mobile, I, I wondered about nihilistic software, and I can't remember if that was this year or last year. Uh, I'm just looking at it right now because they're oh, here. They are. They're now called Instigate. So nihilistic. Uh, they made 
uh, Resistance Burning Skies, Call of Duty Black Ops Declassified, uh, neither of which got great reviews and actually Black Ops. Uh, these were Vita games, Vita shooters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Black Ops one got really bad reviews. I, I have to say, as a side note, I am actually right now playing through Resistance Burning Skies, and that game got a totally bad rap. It is actually really? really competent and really good. Yes, it is. And I, I looked at old reviews for it, and people were like, oh, this killed the Resistance franchise. No, it's so terrible. <laughs> I actually I, I had only played the demo up to that point. Um, it, it got cheap for some Black Friday sales uh, this year, so I picked yeah. it up. And uh, it's actually really good. Even the gimmicky touchscreen stuff, you know, swiping yeah. diagonally to load a crossbow and stuff like that, it actually works. Nothing is ever too far away from your thumb. I'd say it's all right. It's not horrible. Yeah, no, no. And uh, <laughs> as a first-person shooter, it's it's okay. It's a good way to pass the time. I yeah. believe it was a little short. I think I finished in like... Yeah, well, I think I'm... I'm getting right toward the end. I'm at the spires and, and that sort of thing. Uh, these guys also made the and I and I still I'm not sure yet if they closed this year or last year, but they also made the uh, Conan the Barbarian uh, brawler game on the PlayStation Three, which nobody played, nobody really liked, but I loved it because it was what? it was. Uh, oh Conan. yes, I played that. That yeah, was dude. half bad. No, I, it wasn't what? half bad. And it was the first game that I know where they had explicit entrails. Like, if you gutted somebody, there would be loops of entrails that would come out. And that really resonated with me. That's what I call... I'm sorry, loops of entrails resonated with you? I just want to make sure we got that. Because it's visceral. (laughs) Get it? Because it's viscera. Actually coming out of people. Uh, uh, anyway, it was pretty good too. But you know what? Looking at it, 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 it turns Jeremy on. It was put out by THQ, by the way. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Two thousand seven. Yeah. Another I, I, killed I have it. Uh, everybody looked a little plasticky, but hey, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know what I really liked was in between the loading screens, they had these very like oil painting looking backgrounds and things that were yeah. Like, Good. Um, you know, I, I am not sure. Let's just pour one out for them anyway. We probably missed them last year, but. Uh, Instigate is what they're called now. So they're not actually gone. They've just, we're never going to see them again. But uh, anyway. They're in mobile games. It's a fate worse than death. Yeah. Are we, um, are we talking about layoffs also? Because I know Capcom and Sega laid a lot of people off this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I mentioned okay. it. Uh, High, High Moon Studios uh, did Superbot. I think, uh, Blue, you're going to talk a little bit about uh, PlayStation All Stars. Yeah. Yeah. IO Interactive. I, I liked a lot of their games. Freedom Fighters, very under. Mm. Uh, let's talk about a few people we lost within the industry. Uh, sadly, Hiroshi Yamauchi. He was the former president of Nintendo, and uh, really the reason behind the uh, NES, uh, the success of that platform. Uh, he was a pioneer and uh, recognized that, that artists, not technicians, made the best game developers. Uh, he was the one responsible for creating Nintendo R&D groups, which competed with one another, uh, establishing an environment which, which I feel uh, produced many of the industry's best efforts. Um, I always, you know, look back and think back of the NES and Super NES days um, in a very and in, in look back at some of those games, and that is uh, really a prime time, like a golden era for gaming. Uh, later, he'd established many of the concepts uh, which kind of define Nintendo today. Uh, the insistence that the GameCube be affordable and not be a media hub, uh, but an easy-to-program game machine. Uh, he lived a really amazing life. He owned a minority share in the Seattle Mariners. Uh, one day he lost, or, or within a few weeks, I believe, uh, he lost $312 billion. Um, he, is, he was wow. the 12th most uh, richest person in Japan, uh, owned a majority of Nintendo stock, and after the Nintendo stock plummeted following the Wii U announcement, the 3DS uh, price drop uh, caused a huge loss for him. So, uh, so basically, the Wii know. U and the 3DS killed him. No, Blue. 
<laughs> no, like no, he was he was uh, very much into charity. Uh, gave a lot of his money to open the cancer center. Um, very charitable, you know, person, and really kind of a one of the uh, people created uh, and fostered the Nintendo that we know today, and was instrumental in the um, NES, Super NES, and Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, he was uh, he was eighty five years old, and he was <laughs> primarily known for being, above all other things, a very shrewd business person. Yes, um, he he made. Uh, I, from what I understand, he made decisions that once he made a decision, he was final. But he would he would uh, you know listen and, and consider. Um, I, I want to uh, mention that I read uh, the, probably the best thing after uh, his death that I read was a uh, an editorial by someone named Hank Rogers, uh, who was a programmer back in the uh, NES days, and uh, he I think was a Commodore 64 programmer, and he actually was uh, one of the few people to become very good friends with Mr. Yamauchi, and uh, he he just told some some interesting stories. There was, so that was over at uh, I believe Wired.com has a very interesting mm. read on that. But um, yeah, that uh, that's kind of too bad. Yeah. yeah, he he didn't do very much that was relevant to games. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, he was just very private. Also, so you know, yeah. once he mm-hmm. retired as the president of Nintendo, you pretty much fell off the face of the earth as far as uh, as far as you know game news was concerned. Yeah. Well, what's yeah. interesting is he was no a programmer or. Um, you know, like like you said, he was more of a businessman, but really, yeah, he wasn't gave, into any of that. Gave Nintendo exactly. direction, um, and uh, you know, had insight. So, very cool. Uh, his his life. Uh, Charles Belfield. Uh, he was the spokesperson for Sega of America during the Dreamcast era. Um, many oh, yeah. People, yeah, many people described him as one of the most uh, energetic and. Uh, reps um and he wasn't afraid to kind of knock down the competition and really embodied uh the in your face spirit of sega during the late 90s and early 2000s so lost him stone is a little statuette of sonic the hedgehog tapping his foot impatiently and sassily (laughs) i'm just kidding i made that up oh jeremy uh, we also lost Andrew Scott Reese. He was the founding member and a lead engineer of the Oculus Rift uh, VR headset project. Um, that tragically, was so sad. Yeah, tragically passed away. Um, uh, as Not just a, passed as away. A, I think he was hit by a car. Yeah, it, I was, that, it involved in a police pursuit. The circumstances surrounding pursuit. his death are a mm-hmm. little. Um, like, if you were a conspiracy theorist, you might think that that, that was an intentionally organized thing. Because it was, like, really random and really conveniently right after they'd had a bunch of meetings about, like, how they were going to, I don't know, deal with Oculus Rift technology and developers and na 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 And it just, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge conspiracy pers- theory person, but sometimes. And I feel like, hey, if we've got two developers and... This kid is much easier to control, and this guy's a pain in the ass. What if he conveniently gets hit by a car during some chase and dies? Because his death know, was kind of weird. have some tinfoils I can make a hat? Yeah, yeah he was... Um, <laughs> Say, he was, I don't know why he said that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know about that, but uh, mm-hmm. he, was, he was only 33 years old, yep. so he's my age. Yeah. Uh, Kenji Ino, he was a musician who worked on uh, Sega Rally 2, uh, Tripped D2, and the original D, uh, Enemy Zero, a number of uh, Saturn games, and uh, recently had a comeback after um, kind of retiring from the industry uh, for a number of years. Any of you guys remember D, I, D2? I remember the name, but I never got around to play. Uh, yeah, I, I remember seeing the cartridge, but he wasn't that old either. He was only 42. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So the- mm. Cartridge or disc? Is it a uh, well, PlayStation 1 game, I think? I thought there were Saturn. I thought there were Saturn games. Okay. 
Well, on that note, before things get too depressing, we come up with conspiracies for that. Let's move on to our roundtable <laughs> questions. I'm sorry, so, it was a really weird thing. I'm not being totally. It, crazy. it was very. It was very. It, it was weird, weird but me. but I think more tragic than, than weird. I, it's I think. possible. No, yeah, it's certainly possible. But anyway, uh, most of our roundtable questions came from Blue. I asked everyone to come up with a uh, some topics, and Blue came up with some great ones this week. So uh, let's tackle. Jumping. Yeah, let's tackle those right now. Um, first, Thank Blue you. asked, "What is the game that defined 2013?" So I'm going to ask the man himself, Blue. What uh, what game was that? Well, you know, I've been thinking about this, and I came up with a couple of different angles that you can that you can kind of view this at view this as. Um, first off, I, I'll I'll mention Call of Duty Ghosts because it was the first game in the you know spike in popularity of the franchise to underperform both you know at, at retail and as far as reviews go. It yeah. wasn't. Uh, well, I mean, of course, there have been some ups and downs as far as the Treyarch games go, but um, uh, but by and large, that that was the biggest failure, for lack of a better word, right. um, that the Call of Duty franchise has uh, suffered. Yeah, did, did, did you guys play it at all? I can't say I did. Okay, I, I still have another Call I, of Duty. I gotta get. get I, to play. See, I played it, and I wonder how much the mechanics are very similar. Uh, very frantic, you know, kind of shooting. Yeah, there were a little bit of the dog here, here and there. But I wonder how much of it was the setting. We used to have kind of realistic settings for the Call of Duty games, either, you know, contemporary World War II, Vietnam era. And this one had this imagined future, uh, like this uh, Red Dawn kind of scenario where the United States was under attack. And it was supposed to be emotional, but I didn't get any kind of emotional involvement. The story of two brothers and a dad and... I won't go into the it. Dog. Just, the dog. Yes, and the don't dog. forget the dog. <laughs> and I just, uh, you know, the Call of Duty uh, games really don't have much of a compelling story. But this one was was just let me pass this. Let, get the storytelling out of the way. Let me shoot stuff. Yeah, I actually uh, have an interesting. I mean, I don't know that it's that interesting, but I uh, played <laughs> we'll Call of Duty. Goes, well, here here's the thing. I mean, the thing is, I have not played any Call of Duty games mm-hmm. since the first one. It, oh. It, um, let me interrupt you one second. I think it's really interesting because it came out on uh, what four or five platforms, including PC, and so it should have. Um, PC, PS3, Xbox, Xbox One, on uh, PS4. Yeah. So should have pretty sold. much everywhere. Yeah. Except <laughs> except Nintendo. <laughs> right. Was okay. it on Nintendo? I don't even remember. Maybe there was a Call of Duty <laughs> on the Nintendo. Oh God, poor Nintendo. Um. Anyway, I it's the first Call of Duty that I've played since the original. Call of Duty. The last Call of Duty I played was Call of Duty One. I can't remember if I've the original if I PC the game. Before, but... Yes, yeah. and the last thing I remember was the uh, there's this great tank chase scene, mm-hmm. and um, I remember it was an amazing tank chase, and you're driving in your jeep, and then suddenly the tank comes crashing through, and oh my god, and you got to run, and oh you crash, now you got to back up, ooh, and it's bringing its barrel, <laughs> and it was an awesome moment. And I think I just stopped the game right there and said, okay, that's it. Games are over. That's that's it. That's all I need. It never uh, get any better. Yeah, exactly. And I actually never played any Call of Duty games since then. I've really <laughs> wanted to. Um, you know, Modern Warfare and, and, you know, No Russian and some of those things. I wanted to experience those. Uh, but I played this, and uh, I will say that it is definitely a very um, uh, well-produced game. Would you play it but, on the system? Uh, PlayStation 4. Okay. So I have it uh, digital on my on my PS4. So I've actually played it a little bit through the Vita remote play. And it's it's actually been a little more of a curiosity to me than right. a 
a Performance-wise, real... the PS4 has the resolution, but I noticed a lot of hiccups in the uh, squads. Um, you know, especially when I would do a quick 180 in that, and even in the single-player campaign, there was a lot of hiccups. You know, Call of Duty is known for 60 frames per second, and, and I thought they did a really quick and dirty port for PS4. Compare yeah, that to, I, I... to Battlefield or even Killzone, and it does look inferior. It sort of reminds me a little bit of, of watching The Hobbit in the 48 frames per second. <laughs> right. Where, where it, it moves like very smoothly, opera. but it looks a little bit like a PBS special or something like that. <laughs> so it definitely, the, the frame rate, it moved very well, but it, there was something a little bit, I, I mean, even oh. though I haven't played it in, mm-hmm. yeah, in like 12 or 13 years, it, it yeah. still, you know, I could kind of tell like this is sort of a little bit rote and they're kind of doing it the way they, yep. I, I have to admit, I had hoped there would be more dog. Um, yeah. I, I thought that the dog was going to be a big deal. I mean, they were, you know, they were marketing the dog and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought it was going to, you know, we're not getting the last guardian, but I thought for sure, I, you know, I, I, you know, Activision, don't you dare kill that dog. But, uh, you know, it turns out. I, I didn't really was... like playing the dog that much. I like the dog in uh, multiplayer. I, I like the other thing where you could sick the dog, but where you're actually doing the stealth bits of the dog wasn't all that fun. Yeah, no. It no. reminded me of Dead to Rights, Dead to Rights of the Dog. Remember that I didn't one? play that, but I did. I did play. No, I didn't play that, but I did play another game where you get to sort of be a dog in, in GTA Five. I didn't realize mm. there was some first-person dog mode. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I that was another it, one it, on it, that on my list as well for the games that define 2013. Oh, okay. Well, let's continue with that then, by all means. Now, granted, I have I myself haven't sat down with haven't sat down with it yet, but I mean, it was. I mean, let's face it, it it shattered pretty much every record that any game has uh, said as far as entertainment co- or um you know enter- any entertainment record as far as performance goes it was uh, first to a billion dollars in the what was it about a week was it yeah like, uh yeah a very short period of time and, they, you know, i mean in fact, yeah, I was, and I the sales they numbers sold were it all in, in a well. few days and then i i remember the the big story was then that the it had dropped by like 33% you know and in a couple of weeks or something like that. It's because everybody had already bought it. The Alexander the Great syndrome. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, there's no, nothing else to conquer. Yep. And you know, I mean, perhaps it's just me, but I, I really don't hear that much, you know, at least on, you know, my social media circles of people playing it much anymore. It seems like it was, you know, this big, fantastic game and, you know, it was really great and it got a lot of great reviews. And then after a couple of weeks, it just, kind of dissolved into the uh, flavor of the week syndrome. I heard a lot of people say that they felt like the the series had started to take itself too seriously, and so a lot of people moved over to uh, Saints Row instead because mm. they thought that that was a better comedic take on sort of events. I don't know about serious because it really pokes fun. It's making fun of almost everything imaginable in the United States. And to me, that's and, and I think it's done very well. Like where where Saints Row to me is more like over the it's top, sort of like the yeah, like, it's, it's like yes, oh, where oh. where exactly that's what I was going to say is is that if Saints Row is the you know Will Ferrell of comedy, <laughs> uh, GTA is more like the like what Dennis Miller? Oh yeah, is that a fair yeah. is that a fair comparison? I don't like Dennis Miller anymore, but yeah. Uh, Dennis Leary. <laughs> Dennis Miller and his SNL. Dude. There's some, someone named Dennis. Some Dennis. Any of the Dennis. <laughs> Dennis back, the Menace. Back when he was a liberal. 
I know, but that, that's, a, that's a fair. where the main character accidentally he he smokes some marijuana. Like, did you did you play this mission where the, you come across this guy who's like uh, stumping for weed, mm-hmm. and he's like, no, no, I don't care about weed, and he's like, well, do you want to you want to try something? He's like, no, no. He's like, well, just do it. You know, there's no no side effects or anything like that. So he picks it up and he takes a toke, and uh, and the guy's like, oh, but you know, I don't mind any of the monsters either. Don't let don't. And he's like, what? And then it's like turns into this weird acid trip thing, and you play this <laughs> mission where you have this chain gun and you have to fight off aliens like uh you know hr geiger aliens that are coming at you that's in gta 5 and i was like whoa that seems like more of a saints row thing so they can do that too but i actually of the two i kind of like the the more you know i mean it's it's not always good yeah it's not always great writing but i sort of appreciate the bitiness of it i I feel like there's a little more bite to to the to the humor or to the stylings of gta yeah i'm with you on that one can i talk about mine yes yeah Mark, weren't we trying to keep these to 90 seconds? We will. Time We're not to the part on the thing that says 90 seconds yet. Yes, we are. Okay, timing. We're not. So my response doesn't look at 2013 as a whole, but rather where the year is leading us. And according to that standard, it's Forza Money Sport 5 and the accompanying <laughs> microtransactions. Now, there, there's been a lot of uh, discussion about the changes to the in-game economy. Basically, the gameplay it gives you a meager amount of credits for, for both play and your uh, drivatar races. I was getting about 10K a day for 45 minutes of racing. Car prices are similar to the real-world counterparts, so we'll take about a, a week of racing every day. Uh, to buy a simple BMW M3 and a hell of a lot longer to get that Ferrari. So the developers, they put in a system where you can buy the cars, but they're outrageously priced with some uh, as much as $1.5 million, uh, which means playing about for five months every day. Uh, of course, you oh. could spend $30, 50 even $70 to buy credits for the car, but if you have a job, a life, or a significant other, or just tired, uh, get tired of the game's paltry selection of uh, was it 14 tracks, um, you can do that. Uh, to be fair, there, there's, ha- they have alleviated somewhat, uh, you know, the the economy and the the transaction model. But the transaction model, I was going to say, is widespread across the Xbox One ecosystem. It's in Crimson Dra- uh, Crimson Dragon. I was going to say Dragon. Uh, it's in Halo Spartan Assault, which I'm going to talk about. It's in Rise, but thankfully subdued. And one of the things I, I was going to talk about, I, I don't think I've heard anyone mention this. A few years ago, I, I was invited to the Los Angeles Games Convention. Uh, this is is a small meeting that's held at the Roosevelt Hotel, and it's notable for not showing any games. There's just speaker, there's businessmen, there's suits, and there's PowerPoint slides. And as you can probably tell, the meetup wasn't concerned about the artistry of games. Instead, they used the all-too-familiar buzzwords of business, multiple revenue streams, audience engagement, breaking down the barriers to monetization. Now, this was in 2009, and I dismissed it at the time, as did you know the rest of the gaming media. But all the bigwigs there, there was EA, Sony, Microsoft was probably there, they all talked about adding these transactions to games to make more money. Um, now, now, they were talking about how similar efforts were successful in the free-to-play market, and it was only a small uh, hurdle before people would accept this in their paid games. It was all about obtaining this acceptance. So, needless to say, almost everything they said is coming true, and I expect to see a shit ton more about it, uh, you know, more of this in games, unless gamers speak up, get vocal, and purchase prudently. So I'm asking you to do that so, you know, we can have a 2014 where we're not paying out the ass for games. Is that 90 seconds? I agree. Uh, close, closer. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Halo Spartan Assault, it really pissed me off, and I'll get to that later. Jeremy, your defining game? Uh, well, Angry I actually tonight. sort of was, <laughs> I was sort of thinking about it in the same way Robert was, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a different way with it. I'm gonna go with Candy Crush Saga. 
Um, <laughs> okay. so pretty much no, no reason. I, no, that, that's one of the biggest just... games. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, uber popular, uh, an incredible powerhouse, and they make a ton of money. And the microtransaction setup in that is downright abusive. Um, right. I have not played it, but I am close to someone who has. And uh, we had to go through, like, a 12-step program to <laughs> people away. Candy Crush Saga is... This is Mrs. Lamont? It may be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there may have been, uh, you know, a spouse involved. Um yeah, there was. I was like, "Honey, we're we're gonna go to uh, we're, we're gonna go out to a dinner tonight." And she's like, "Oh, great! Where are we going?" And I got her in the car and locked the doors, and we went to uh, Twelve Steps. Um, <laughs> wow! Uh, but actually, I don't want to spend too much time on the on the game itself. I, I kind of wanted to to list just really briefly four things in general, not just games, but four things that I feel like define 2013. Uh, so right at the top of my list was microtransactions. Not for better or for worse, honestly. I don't have a problem with microtransactions existing. Um, Can we stop calling them microtransactions because when you're charging $30, $50, it's no longer micro. It's more macro. In-app purchases. Let's yeah. call it in-game um, bullshit transactions. Can there we go. IGBT. I can always choose not to do it. Like People also have a problem with games that have energy where you can only play a certain amount of time. To me, I feel like that's a little bit of a benefit because it shuts me down from a game. I'm not going to pay them anymore for it, and I can go and move on to something else. I'm very busy. Uh, But microtransactions are definitely coming into their own in a big way, not only in mobile games, but in... But but Jeremy, let me interrupt for a second and extend your 90 seconds. Everyone hates RPGs because of the grinding. And now that grinding element has been applied to games, racing games, sports games, everything. Now you're going to have to grind. Right. And it, uh, people say, well, it's an option. But one of the things is, it, yes, it's an option, but developers don't waste their time and energy putting these things that no one's going to use. Right. right. They have to make it compelling. And they know that threshold of annoyance. It's just annoying enough where you'll plug in your credit card. Slash, like you said, you're busy and you have shit to do. And so if right. you get really invested in a game, and but you're am, like, but fuck, it, I'm busy, then you're right. going to pay money. And I am accustomed to the racing game where you unlock most of the cars, where you have the cars, the the Pokemon. And my, my scariest thing, the thing I have nightmares about, is playing Pokemon and having to pay to catch them all to buy them. <laughs> Nintendo is starting to get yeah. into that. Nintendo's actually doing oh, a, I know, I know a microtransact. What 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 is it? What is the game that they're doing? Oh, uh, they're doing a uh, Pikmin. They have it on Fire sleep. Emblem. That there's some sort of sleeping, like get eight hours of sleep and you get a sleep point for it. And oh, the new uh, the new. Yeah, there's it came out in Europe, but doesn't come out here. My my big my big problem. I I, I don't really care if micro, microtransactions exist. Like they can be good, they can be bad. Whatever games can be good, games can, can be bad. Mechanics can be good, mechanics can be bad. Microtransactions are just another one of those. But if you're gonna if you're gonna charge for you know quote unquote the full game, charge for the full game. Don't you know that yeah. that's my big problem. And let it. people know that there are microtransactions on the box. Or yeah. uh, on, yeah, on that, that there are in-game purchases because I feel burned by Halo Spartan yeah. Assault, I, I, and I, I, I tweeted oh. Major Nelson, and of course he you tweeted Major Nelson. Yeah, I was pissed off. Major Nelson. <laughs> I, I said, hey, buddy, uh, so, how about you know letting people know that there are in, <laughs> in-app purchases on Xbox Live? So it's like the GMOs of the gaming world. You don't have to get rid of them, but you need to tell people they're in there. Yeah, I mean that. I think that's fair. I think just I, I letting too. people know. Um, but I also think that they're trying to to really be aggressive where it's just they're turning they're going to ruin games and turn everything into an annoying grind. Well, they're trying to make it a standard because they want everyone Rainbow to Moon did that a little bit too. 
for the for the. It, yeah. it had it let you buy things. I mean, but that's the same thing where people say, "Well, I, I don't like that you have to buy costumes in fighting games." Uh, you know, but you but costumes to. are cosmetic. I mean, this is yeah, some I mean, of they... these things I'm talking about actually alter the 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 gameplay. Right. And and a car is not cosmetic. It handles differently and allows you maybe to win certain races, or you might need a certain car to enter a certain uh, a certain type of race, four wheel drive or. Right. Yeah. I mean. That, yeah. I'm, I'm sort like of that ambivalent. Is... Is is bullshit, but I mean, there have been some that have done the microtransactions or macro transactions uh, pretty well. Um, uh, look at a Dead or Alive Five uh, Ultimate Core Fighters, which was a free to play fighting game. I think I believe you could play the arcade mode or time attack mode or whatever. I, well, um, I, I have no problem on free to play. That's one thing, but if you spend fifteen dollars on a digitally down, you know, digital download, if you're paying sixty dollars for a disc. That's when I have. That's when I take issue. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like for example, remember Burnout Paradise, one of the greatest games of the past generation, and mm -hmm. it had a time saver that you could buy for five bucks or something. Unlock okay. all the cars. Right. Yeah. You know, there's has that. And the thing is, the but I don't find that offensive. I didn't find that offensive, but I think when you alter, when you tweak the gameplay to make it so annoying. That so grindy that you, you you know it's a pain in the ass to unlock all the cars that you're not getting all the content unless you do. Right. There's kind of a chicken or egg yeah. thing there because every every time there's microtransactions, someone look at it and say, oh well, they just changed the game so that they could make it microtransactions. Yeah, maybe. Like but I don't know. Anyway, I'm, why would you why would you put in this component if no one's ever going to use it? You as a business, you only care about making money. Right. Well, that's the same thing with uh, what's what's the uh, free to play game uh, on the PC that's sort of a Diablo game. Anyway, they they had a thing where you could pay like thousands of dollars to have an in-game item crafted specifically by you, and people went ape shit over that because they're like, oh, how could you charge someone twenty five hundred dollars or whatever it was for something you know that was exclusive like that or or whatever? Honestly, big deal. If somebody wants it and has that money. Let them spend it. You know, who cares what the what the dollar? But fee. they should be putting that kind of money into the development of something that's better in the game instead of catering to, hey, all you kids who are twits and will actually ask your parents for money for this, or you happen to be a thirty year old who actually makes like a shit ton of money because that market is not the majority of gamers. It's the majority of gamers who have the most money to spend. So the problem is that it's a money making driven part of the game, not a gameplay enhancing driven part of the game. Well, and I, like I said, I'm, I'm ambivalent on it. I mean, I know there are bad microtransactions. There are some that aren't so bad. Um, the, the conversation is always... I think with the Xbox One, they're, they're really pushing it, and they're getting that evil territory. Uh, which, again... Crimson if Dragon. Or if they did more free base entry sorts sure. of things, I, I wouldn't mind so much. But the I upshot couldn't, of yeah, it is, I couldn't complain. I, I'm not going to buy Forza. I'm probably not going to buy an Xbox One for a while. You have a, a choice to make, and you can. Mm -hmm. it's not like they're forcibly, you know. Uh, anyway, but that, that was just, microtransactions was one thing. Companion apps, mobile companion apps for games was another trend in 2013. Um, GTA had it. Ratchet & Clank has it. Uh, Assassin's Creed 4 has it. Um D tons and tons. I can't even. I can't even think of what they all are. But companion apps on mobile phones. Still more to come. Uh, Sleeping Dogs, of course, is going to have a big uh, mobile component to it. Uh, the what's the Ubisoft? Um, uh, Watchdogs. Apocalyptic. Uh, well, Watchdogs, but there was the, the other one that's the that's sort of an MMO sort of thing. Um, yeah, there's Sleeping Dogs and there's Watchdogs. There's uh, something territory. Something territory. Anyway, uh, so companion <laughs> apps was another trend in 2013. Game sharing. 
Another big thing in 2013, uh, the share button on the PlayStation 4, um, and, you know, Dota was was big in, I mean, Dota came out before, but tons of people streaming and sharing and doing Let's Plays and, and things like that. Um, and then my last thing but, for 2013. Mm. Can I just air my gripe with that? Why do you have to use Facebook? Why do you have to connect with Facebook before? We'll get to talk about this in next-gen impressions later okay. on. Uh, so sharing was, was one. And then my last one for 2013... Troubles in Kickstarter uh, was my yeah. last event in 2013. Mm -hmm. um, meaning specifically? With, meaning specifically that even the though... The like Yeah, a ton of money and like, oh, it's going to be great. Here are all of our tears and this is how it's going to go. And then it's like, shit, we're out of money. Or something went wrong. Uh, you know, it's going to be delayed. There are problems. Uh, hey, guess we what? We can't about deliver that? the product at all. A couple years ago where you're selling certain expectations, you're selling pie in the sky, and when you deliver, when a few people deliver less than expectations, which is going to happen, uh, then people will begin to get jaded and... You know, I think Kickstarter you guys are being loses. a little cynical. There are a lot of things <laughs> that are still getting a shit ton of Kickstarter funding. Like there have been a lot right. of stories in the news of like, oh, this didn't work out, meow meow. But there have been more so stories of games that are actually successfully utilizing the funding. Uh, I mean, well, uh, not not that they're not that they're getting money or not getting money. I mean, Star Citizen still. Like, are you guys seeing the headlines every other week? Star Citizen collected thirty million. Star Citizen collected forty million. I don't know where they're still Jeez. collecting money or who's still giving it, but Jesus. Um, but I, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. So, so my my point here is, um, you know, games being delayed or games that, um, you know, where where because th this is a very uh, transparent process. So they will let the backers in on, you know, here's what's going on. We're going to have to bump this, or this is going to have to be altered, or whatever. Uh, and and I feel like that was something that that happened quite a bit in 2013. Not not that it was the thing that happened the most or the thing that, um, you know, changed Kickstarter forever. But I feel like this is the year where we started to see some of those kinds of things happening in development. And we did talk about it on the show once before because I think the the alternative to this, everybody said, oh, traditional publishers are going away. You know, this is it. This is going to be the, the grassroots revolution. Uh, the nice thing about a, a publisher, a, a traditional big house publisher, is that they take care of this stuff, iron it over, pay more money out to the developer, and they handle all of this stuff behind the scenes. Mm. Uh, with Kickstarter, the dirty laundry is all aired out for everybody. So. Yeah. So that those those were my 2013. A little more than 90 seconds, but there we go. Yeah. Because we interrupted you. I'm sorry, Jeremy. That's this okay. is. I feel like this is either going to end up being a two-part or a four-hour episode because. Oh <laughs> no, it's going to be awesome. It's going to uh -huh. be awesome. Game that defined awesome. 2013. Sage, go. Um, okay, so I think that, and I'm going to say this later for my top three games, but I don't think 2013 was that great a year. Um, so. <laughs> and I'm cynical. No, no, just as far as games go, not as far... I mean, you guys are being cynical about human beings. I'm being cynical about there weren't a lot of great games this year. But anyway, um, I, I want to say that... Okay, I want to say that Dishonored, even though it came out in 2012, was a really defining game for where the beginning of where 2013 went. Because I felt like a lot of games... Like, it set a new bar in terms of how that genre of game and that genre of game which is all the bioshock games and those kind of games was becoming such a big deal i think that the way that dishonored handled it sort of shaped how those games came out and so to that effect i think that bioshock infinite was sort of a defining game of 2013 even though i was personally disappointed with it it did do a lot of things with the genre that people really responded to and it did sort of change how you know, Assassin's Creed then sort of went in a slightly different direction as well. So I, I think that um, 
to be fair and make it 2013 that Bioshock Infinite had a really um, big effect as far as to move away from all the microtransaction stuff if we're just talking about actual game development. Mm-hmm. I also think that Gunpoint, and, and this is going to sound like an ironic choice because it's such a like, oh, indie game, and we all know that Sage is into indie PC games, but I do think that Gunpoint was a really um, defining game and as a representation of indie games. I think that this year indie games really took off in a direction that was a lot more successful than they had been previously, all the Kickstarter stuff aside. Um, Gunpoint is, I'm going to talk about it later, but it's like a one-person made indie game that made it into the top five and the top ten of pretty much everybody's indie game of the year list. Um, And it's on Steam, and it's a notable game, and it got a lot of success. So I think that as, as it represents that class of games, it really showed that indie games have started to sort of create a much bigger piece of the pie for themselves in the gaming market than uh, they previously had had. And I think that part of that might have to do with all the bullshit microtransactions that people don't like, and a lot of those indie games are cheaper to begin with, and they don't have all those mm-hmm. uh, microtransactions. So those would be my two sort of, I guess, games of the year. You know, this was a big year from from an indie standpoint for, I think, a lot of... Um... Uh, it, it was sort of a diaspora of, of indie games uh, this year. I mean, it, totally. we had them last year and we had them before, but uh, they're all over the place this oh, year. Oh, totally. Um, mm-hmm. And and a lot of people going from, I mean, th- this is nothing new either, but a lot of people going from bigger development down. I mean, look at uh, look at Double Fine, you know, the, in just like the last year or so. I mean, they've announced like six different games and, uh, you know, in, across different platforms and just a huge variety of, of ideas, um, and I mean, a lot of that happened this year, and a lot, a lot of game jams uh, going on now. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I, I think it's just getting bigger. Do you think there will be more of that in 2014? Or I do. There are a bunch of games that are listed, too. Like, one of the notable things was there were 25 indie, quote-unquote, indie games that were, like, more successful than mainstream games, like, across the board. And that's a lot of indie games to be that successful. And a lot of those companies have games coming out in 2014. Like, I have a couple I'm going to mention, and we might segue now into games that need to happen in 2014. Um, But I have a couple that just, like, there's a lot of games that are are indie games that are going to come out that are by those same companies. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I think the major console, I mean, PC has always been the home of indie games, but uh, the Xbox One and PS4 have kind of embraced the indie movement uh, yeah, already, yeah. which is good. Which Especially is oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, big time. Yeah. The time. So since we're talking about 2014, why don't we talk about our next category, which is games that need to happen in 2014. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Should, um, should I go first? Yeah. All right. Well, the first the first game that popped into my head as far as games that need to happen in 2014, and this will come as no surprise to pretty much anyone, and that <laughs> is Tie Fighter Four. Yes, uh, wrestlers um, tie fighting in space. <laughs> uh, so Sailor Moon. Day one Kickstarter. <laughs> um, first one is uh, Jet Set Radio Future HD. You know, uh, Sega's been talking, or Sega said something to the effect of, uh, you know, fan reaction is what determines what HD remakes they do, or something to that to that effect. And um, you know, I, I keep an I lurk NeoGAF. I don't have an account there. Um, and in the thread about you know Sega saying something to that effect, almost every response was 
Jet Set Radio Future HD. Jet Set Radio Future HD. I posted Bug. Oh, yeah. No, I'm uh, kidding. Three Dirty Wharves. Two. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a game that, you know, I mean, we've already had uh, the first Jet Set Radio or Jet Grind Radio um, get remade, and it was on, you know, pretty much every system that matters. And, yes, that was an intentional knock of the Wii. <laughs> um, hmm. uh, That's not kind. I know, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I think this is, it's one game that people are really clamoring for a remake of. And, you know, I hooked up my original Xbox a few months ago when, you know, cause I was able to track down one of those, uh, component adapters for it. And, you know, I played, I, I, I popped in Jets at Radio Future and it looks good ish, but I, the cell shading is so gorgeous in that game that it almost deserves to get the HD treatment. Mm -hmm. And not, a, not to mention the soundtrack on top of that was, you know, one, arguably one of the best video game soundtracks of all time. Uh, I mean, it's just one of those games that deserves to get that HD remastered treatment. And I, I, think, I, I think we will hear something about Jet Set Radio Future HD, or hopefully maybe Jet Set Radio Five or Three, excuse me. I, I, I'd love to. I'd love to get my uh, get my mitts around that one. Um, another one that I want to see in 2014 is, um, and Robert, I know you'll love this one. Uh, more U.S. Hatsune Miku releases. Mm -hmm. uh, we we have. Um, uh, the the PS Vita version of uh, Project Diva F coming out mm -hmm. uh, sometime next year. I don't think it has a solid timetable yet. No, they haven't. But um, but you know I'm you know I'm looking forward to that. I I got a 32 gigabyte Vita card for Christmas, so I've got the room for it. Come to Papa v uh, Miku. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But you know, also next year um, over in Japan, uh, Project Diva F2 comes out on the PS3 and I believe the PS Vita. And it would be excellent if we could get those over here as well because, you know, I, I, I'll probably get the Vita version of Project Diva F even though I've already platinumed the PS3 version. But I'm, I must admit, I, I'd be doing it mainly to vote with my dollars that, you know, I want Sega to continue to bring these games over. Right. over to america but um hey it's not not a bad not a bad reward for voting if you <laughs> look at it like that mm -hmm. um and this one is another another game i need i i think will be maybe teased or announced this year i, I don't think it will actually come out but of course stranger things have happened um a new metroid or a metroid prime 4 yeah because, uh, you know, with, um, I mean, the Metroid Prime Trilogy is hailed as one of the best Metroid games of all time. It commands a fantastic value um, at so GameStop. Good. <laughs> so um, good. Yeah, I, I played through uh, the first uh, the first Metroid last year, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, on the, um, uh, uh, on the, um, the Metroid Prime tril Trilogy. And I, I have to say, you know, I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, standard, you know, dual stick controller for, uh, for an FPS or, or you know, uh, WASD if you're a computer gamer. 
or mouse and keyboard or whatever. But on a console, I think that is one of the best first-person shooter setups uh, as far as controls go ever. Because you had, with, the, uh, with the Wii Remote, the, preci- the precision you could get with, with your aiming was second to none. It, it made fantastic use of the Wii Pointer and the Nunchuck. And I am not a big fan of motion controls, but that game was perfect as far as you know as far as the motion controls go and i think with the wii u you know supporting uh you know supporting the wii remote and uh, i guess Wii remote plus and whatnot not to mention having you know more hardware uh, more uh, horsepower under the hood uh i think it might be a very good time to uh, revisit the prime the prime series or mm-hmm. just the main entry metroid series Blue, can I add a few Sega things I'd love to see? Absolutely. E-Swat, Shinobi, Decap Attack. Maybe even Alex Kidd, bringing him back in Monster World. I gotta tell you, I'd be down (laughs) That was like three different things, right? E-Swat? E-Swat. You never played that for Sega Genesis? E-Swat. No, I never did. No. Oh, Jeremy. No, wait a minute. 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 Is that the one where uh, you get to be like a Robocop? Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, all right, okay, I get on board with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Decap Attack with uh, Chuck D. Head. Decap Attack with Chuck D. Head. Yeah, I never played that, but okay. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. You're missing that one. And the Shinobi series. I know that got redone in 2011 for the 3DS, but I'd love to see more. It's such a classic I wanted to play that one. I wanted to play the one that they did for the PS2 also. I never played that. Yeah, they did some uh, remakes. They did, uh, was it Alien Syndrome? They remade that. They remade, uh, I think in 2005, they did a Altered Beast remake. Yeah. Some weird did stuff. They? Yeah. No, they didn't. Did they? That yeah. One, yeah, that one got. Cut, or, um, no, wait, no. Uh, was it uh, Golden Axe? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. They, they... You know what? I had a secret hankering to play was that Golden Axe game. And I actually watched it because uh, I always sort of wanted to play it without ever really looking deeply into it. And I see now that it's just sort of a. Um, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. They did do oh. uh, Altered Beast, but it was in Europe and Japan only. Oh. Uh, yeah. Weird. Yep. That might yeah. be worth looking yeah, for. Yeah, it, ca- it was canceled in uh, North America. Uh, mm. Perhaps for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of those remakes were a little wonky the alien syndrome i wanted to like which did come to wii and psp um so let me jump in um what i think needs to happen in 2014 so i i think if public perception can shape or at least alter trajectory then the wii u and vita could really use some positive opinion right now uh both are mm-hmm. great pieces of hardware uh, they both have a number of really solid games already, but both need a title that, that creates this tipping point. The impression in the public consciousness that says, hey, I'm missing out on some great games by not owning a Wii U or Vita. Uh, for the Wii U, I, I think the Super Smash Brothers uh, franchise still carries weight. If the game can provide kind of a, its usual just cornucopia play modes, collectibles, just that celebration of all things Nintendo... Uh, then I think the game could be a catalyst for the company. For Vita, it's a little bit tricky because, you know, there's some great games out there. Where Jeremy, you and I are going to talk about Tearaway. Um, some great indie stuff, a, a bunch of stuff, but it doesn't seem to be reaching that critical mass like I would expect it to. And I, I, It's starting to build up momentum, though. I mean, It is, but not enough. Not, yeah. I mean, but it's, isn't the killer app sort of a myth now, though? I mean, if... 
if Super Mario 3D World is not that... No, 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 I, I'm not necessarily talking about a single killer app. I'm talking about maybe one, well, in this, in this context, one game that really pushes it and says, okay, uh, let me look, you know, the, uh, the Super Smash Brothers is out. Let me look at the Wii U library. Oh, they have this game and this game. Now, you know, there's a reason for me to buy it. There's so many great games for it. You know, even though it's a remake, uh, you could probably, I mean, of course, it's an older title as well, but you could probably make the case for Persona 4, Go- 4 Golden being yep. the Vita's yep. must-have title, because that's, I mean, that's, well, I, 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 mean, I thought like, that before I even had my hands on the Vita. Let's say you're a fan of JRPGs. I mean, there's Disgaea, Disgaea 3 on there, Persona 4 Golden, uh, there's the uh, E-Series, there's enough games on there that I think... Final Fantasy really... 10 and 10 2 next year? Yeah, there's enough games that I think would really push people towards that, and I just don't understand, quite understand why it's not selling at the numbers that I would think it, it should be at. I'm, I'm sure the word of mouth of the uh, remote play for the PS4 is going to help yeah. it out that too. Yeah. Or it's increased, but still not doing what it's. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's such a great piece of hardware. Uh, yeah, you know, it should be selling like hotcakes. Does it like, need another price drop? I don't. I feel I like part of the problem price is drop that, kind of hurt the company. Yeah, I mean, because so things have become so much more expensive now, which is not entirely unjustified. But I feel like part of the problem is that you have. All these consoles that keep coming out that are solid, well, not all of them, but some of them are solid hardware, but they've gotten more and more expensive, and there hasn't been a lot of novelty in terms of new things. Like Wii U, I mean, we created the whole motion, and then, you know, Xbox got Kinect, and the PS3 got the move. But since then, like with these new releases, there actually hasn't been a lot of, like, groundbreaking novel technology, which is why, I mean, mm-hmm. I agree with you, Robert, you that makes- in 2000. Well, not gimmicks, but in 2014, there need to be some really like notable titles that draw you to the mm-hmm. console. Or... I would say look at 3D. Look at 3D on console. That well, really didn't light the console wor- world on fire. But I mean, because, Jeremy. Uh, PS4 because... barely supports 3D at this point. Yeah. I, but I that's mean, because 3D is not actually... like Honestly, I think and hope that Oculus Rift is going to take mm-hmm. off as a much better mm. technology. It's yeah, better than 3D. That is be so good. It's yep. more immersive, and that's my pick for what needs to happen in 2014. Is that and enough... the frame rate. It doesn't have the frame rate like most right, 3D you don't games. Have... It also doesn't have the living room appeal. I, I mean, the one thing about 3D was, okay, at least you could get your family together... The one to me, the one because I'm listen. I'm excited about Oculus Rift. I'm excited mm-hmm. about whatever Sony's doing on their side of it. But mm-hmm. what you're asking people to do is to strap a thing on their face, which if they didn't like the you know the 3D no, glasses, it's the virtual Jeremy, boy. <laughs> but Jeremy, it's not. But Oculus Rift at E3, like it's it's not like that. Like it's so light and it's so small. You don't really feel it's not. But anything you look like Spaceman Dad. I mean, but who Jeremy gives a shit? You're not looking, Dad. At can I get some? Oh, is he in his uh, own uh, world right now? I don't I think, think that's that fair who... because I think that it's just a thing that people get used to. Like when the Kinect came out and people were doing dance, dance, and they're waving their gigantic ass in their living room. They like that was not a that was a oh you look like an idiot for a while, and then it was like a, uh, oh it's my a, god, it, it's thing. like that forever. It, I'm pretty uh, sure that wiggling your ass like an idiot in the living room will make you an idiot forever. I don't think so, because I think it's become more accepted. I mean, now you have people who are like, I'm a Dance Dance Revolution genius, and like people actually respect the fact that they are amazing genius. at looking like an asshole. I'm, I'm telling you, like the college where I teach, 
they have one in the rec center. And this is like a normal thing where people all show off the fact that they can wiggle their butt like the person on the screen wiggles their butt. So, I mean, if twerking... Are these people can... drunk and or high at the time? No, no. It's just become an accepted thing. So Wait, I think on DDR, that... people wiggle their butt? No, on whatever the fucking Dance oh. Revolution one is. I was on about to say, oh, okay. I was like, I don't remember that in DDR. One. Oh. No, no, the Connect one. Um, yes. Dance. Oh, just dance. Oh, yeah. Well, one of those. <laughs> whatever, whatever the hell it's called, you know what I mean. They danced it. One of them, one or both of them. So I, I don't know. I think that I think that the argument that it is a goofy looking thing is not strong because I think that actually people will be ga- will get into the idea that hey, this is the new thing in gaming, and it's so I don't know. Like I was very skeptical about it when I went to try it, and then it was just so immersive that actually you could play the dumbest game with that thing, like that had not a lot of action going on like all of those missed type point and clicks where you're not doing a lot actively if you're wearing the mm-hmm. thing and looking around become a lot more engaging and interesting and so there's two games coming out for 2014 um one's called among the sleep where you explore your house as a two-year-old and so it's it's all it's how weird things might look if you're walking around in the dark as a two-year-old and things look creepy and the other one is called asylum where you're exploring a insane asylum that's actually based off of uh, I think some insane asylum that's in uh, the Harwell, the Hanwell Mental Institute, or Institute, something like that, where you're where you're exploring. It's a psychological horror, and you're exploring this entire mental institution. Those kind of games on the Oculus Rift, like adventure horror or survival horror games, holy shit, those would be intense. That would be the next biggest yeah. thing for sure. What did Sean punch the wall on? <laughs> Sean punched. Sean punched the wall on dog fighting because he oh. went to, I told him to check out the leather seat behind him because it looked like a real leather seat. They set him up. And he went to, no, I didn't think he would try to touch it. He went to try to touch it. And because there's nothing there, he ended up just like plowing his fist into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Not through the wall, but just he punched yeah. the wall really, really hard. It was hilarious. That could work well in the home setting. That will not yeah, actually happen. Punch the TV. <laughs> yeah, punch the kids, punch the wife. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna to just like they send right out the condoms you. for the for the Wii controllers. They're gonna send out little boxing gloves for everybody. Just <laughs> right. Wrap, wrap it around your wrap it around your hands. Your your arms are gonna look like Q tips. Yeah. But I think I mean honestly, I remember being ten and virtual reality stations starting to open and then all getting closed down because the tech didn't go that way. And I think that twenty fourteen really needs to take like developers really need to take advantage of the Oculus. It's really, really solid hardware. They're already figuring out ways to integrate, like, you know, hand movement technology into it instead of just controllers. And it's something that none of the other consoles have done. Like, they're all just sort of bigger graphic houses of the same console that we've had for the last decade. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really the direction that it ought to go. And I, I hope it does go that way. That's yeah. that's my 2014. <laughs> all right. Jeremy? Jeremy? Uh, I'm going to say Yoda Stories Vita. <laughs> Shut up. Fuck you. No, that's it. That's it. That's my one wish for 2014. Make it happen. Jeremy. I hate to tell you this. It's never, never, never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's Thank coming. God. Someone out there. One of you indies. You know, the indie time. Rise. And let's call him Joda. Joda stories because they couldn't get the rights. He's red instead of green. Right. And it's and it's literally made for Jeremy, Lawman Lamont. I, I feel I feel like Joda would be more of like an urban sort of like street smart kind of robot. Yoda. Joda. I'm, I'm seeing him as country. Joda man. He's trying to get his moonshine. 
Yes. Yeah. Yep. So right Yoda's the back of a pickup truck with a pig hanging out of the back. Yep. That's my. Action. Jeremy, is that your only 2014 wish? Well, I, I, I feel like, I, I appreciate the the idea of wishful thinking for the next year, but <laughs> you, you remember my motto on on predicting the future when people say things are going to happen. You're a just, cynical bastard. Okay. That's your motto. Uh, well, I feel like you're a Debbie I, Downer. <laughs> the most mediocre of all possible outcomes is likely the what's actually going to happen. So yes, you are a total cynical bum. Every party has a pooper. That's I just all I'm saying is history is on my side there. I, I'm a I'm not I'm not a futurist. I'm not a cynical bastard. I'm a realist. No, so, you're not. <laughs> if I can hope for Yoda stories, actually, uh, so th- th- I, th- I believe the topic was um, game that needs to happen in 2014. Uh, we sort of talked also a little bit earlier about X-wing. And mm-hmm. there is now a new free-to-play X-Wing-ish kind of game, which also, by the way, LucasArts is listed as a publisher on it, so, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, Star Wars Attack Squadron. <laughs> He's still trying to keep LucasArts alive. Listen, I'm just saying, their, their name, that little logo is on there. Um, I, I want Tell that me to when be it's KOTOR 3, and I'll, and I'll give you that one. Right. Yeah, I want it to be a good, fun game. I want joysticks to come back, you know. Uh, I, I want to yeah. grab my toggle it around. Have you ever bought, like, you bought the sticks? joystick? No, not like fight sticks, Robert. Joysticks. Joysticks. <laughs> All right, they bring me joy. <laughs> Christ, what was that, Blue? You mean have you ever gotten around to picking up an arcade stick? Uh, no, you know, again, that's the one peripheral that I don't have. And you even sent me a link to a great deal on. It's just one of those things. I just don't know if I would get my money's worth out of it. And no matter how cheap it was, I just I I never really got into like. Hardcore. You were being cynical. No matter how cheap it was, you were being cynical again. <laughs> I, I have a uh, Street Fighter, you know, fighting stick, and it's great for the Pac-Man Championship Edition. I, I would actually play like PlayStation All Stars or something with it. I, I would do some of that. But um, yeah, I, I would I would be open to the idea that the the joystick, like flight yoke joystick, oh okay, come back flight stick, yeah. to, to PCs again, and, or to the uh, Oculus Rift. Maybe, maybe to the office. have a bunch of flight you know sims. Simulators uh, would actually be okay. great for that. I think I talked earlier this year about MechWarrior Online and how I really hoped that uh, Oculus support would come to that. Yeah. I know it is to um, Hawken, uh, or if it's not already there, maybe it already works with it. I don't know. Okay. But yeah, those well, simulators. Dogfighting on that was amazing. Dogfighting exactly. with the Oculus Rift was incredible. Exactly. Like you punch the wall. Well, mine is punching the wall. It was incredible. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I. Me, uh, you know, maybe some maybe some good flight simulators. Uh, th- again, the Star Wars game is the one that I specifically have in mind. Jeremy, I like the way you're but... keeping expectations low. How about some yeah, flight well... for 2014? I mean, I, I, I'm X Wing. How about a home and console Yoda. rogue game? While you're he's at being it. cynical about everything, but Yoda, the least likely yeah. thing to happen. Yoda, I want Yoda on the Vita. <laughs> Vita, Yoda, they sound the same, so they should happen. <laughs> right. Well. Okay. So games. Top, uh, top games of the year. Yeah, top three. Did you guys even manage to come up with three? Because I was finding it difficult to do. You mean narrowing it down to three? I mean Narrow- coming up with three? This, no. Come on. You said I this five. was not a good year for games. This was a great year for games. I disagree. Excellent. I had Excellent year. pretty quickly. All right. So let's hear some top threes. Sure. All right. Uh, I, can I tell you first what my worst games were? I know that's not off the topic, but Double Dragon 2, Wander of the Dragons, it just needs to be specially mentioned as the worst game that I've po- played possibly ever. Uh, I also want to say Tiny <laughs> Death Star was one of the worst games ever. Uh, Tiny Death Star. Desktop Adventures too, for the Vita. Oh, man. If they, oh, no. What if they made it like a terrible microtransaction game? 
Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Your cooldown two days, unless you pay a dollar. Um, my best game's in no particular order. I'm you actually need three really more Imperial Kratos. Oh my god, that was actually really <laughs> good. Um, my, my in no particular order because I have a really hard time picking uh, a one best game. And I want to clarify, it's not. I don't like to call it best game, but best experience. Uh, because for me, one of the things that is, is notable to me as I started looking at the games that came out in 2013 is the list of games that people are saying are Game of the Year contenders that I have not played, but that I have in my house with me right now. Um, you know, I, I didn't play um, a Tomb Raider. I didn't play Fire Emblem Awakening. I, I didn't play Muramasa Rebirth. I didn't play DMC, Devil May Cry. I didn't play any of those. So understand that my best experiences are not necessarily... Wait, you're talking about DMC and Game of the Year? People are talking about it as a game of the year. No, you got to be kidding it's one me. One of the best games. No, 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 no. no. People Except like it. That like that's it. insanity. That's insanity. Yeah, well, whatever. It's it's the fighting that they like. Anyway, I'm open to that possibility. I have the game. Uh, it's actually coming out free on PlayStation Plus next month. I bought it last for 17 bucks and haven't played it yet, so I better hurry up and get my money's worth out of it. Uh, but my best games, uh, actually, Sage mentioned earlier, Bioshock Infinite. That is actually one of my top three games. Um, it, the trajectory for that, uh, you know, the, the overhype that happened ahead of the game's release uh, kind of soured me on it a little bit by the time I got to play it, which was probably only about a month later. Uh, I actually had a pretty good, you know, decent experience with it. I played it entirely on the PlayStation Move. Uh, on the PlayStation 3, it supported Move controls kind of in the same way that Killzone or, like Blue mentioned, um, uh, Metroid, the Metroid trilogy kind of uses the same same idea there. Uh, the thing I liked about Bioshock Infinite was that it is one of those games. This this to me is a hallmark of a, of a worthwhile um, endeavor, a worthwhile artistic endeavor, like a movie or a book. Is when you go back or or on on reflection, you pick up more about it uh, than when you first were playing it. Uh, the all of the sub stories, uh, you know, looking through the recordings and uh, seeing the little hints of. I, again, we'll try not to get too spoilery about it, but the Lutesses, for example, where did they come from? Why is there? Why are there tears? Who is Elizabeth? Uh, who is Comstock? Who, you know, who is Booker? How how does all of this stuff fit together? Uh, the game definitely wasn't perfect. It uh, felt to me, you know, the environment was more open, but seeing those more open environments, you got much more of an idea of how limited you were. Um, you know, you would run into either either physical or conceptual. Uh, invisible walls basically you know so so you, it did feel at times a little bit more restricted but just going back and 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 looking at it and and thinking about it and thinking about the the timeline ideas and the alternate universes and the things that they did with you know the physics of it the metaphysics and and that sort of thing um on reflection i think it was doing things that other games this year were not really attempting and, um, you know, in terms of the mechanics and the way that it played, it was more simple, I think, than some of the older Bioshock games. Um, you know, the, the ability to, to mix and match your, uh, in this, of course, they were called Vigors as opposed to the um, uh, Plasmids from, from the other games. I felt like there, you know, wasn't quite as much going on there, but of course they added the Skyhooks and the ability to uh, really move around your environment a lot more freely than you could in the, uh, in the other games. And, as, you know, when you compare it to other shooters, other types of games in that same genre, I don't think they were doing those kinds of things either. So, uh, again, not in any particular order, but Bioshock Infinite is one of my three. Uh, Guacamelee also is uh, <laughs> one of my top three games. I knew you were going to say that, Jeremy. I know, I knew. Guacamelee is 
Guacamole is so good, man, and it's <laughs> deceptively good. Uh, in fact, I, I had other lists here that I made because I just prepared for all possible discussions, and, and guacamole was one of my pleasant surprises of the year as well. Uh, I just did not know what to expect from it. I didn't expect much from it, uh, even though it came from from Drinkbox Studios. Like uh, I think we mentioned earlier, they they made the uh, Tales from Space about a blob games, which were very funny, uh, very well honed platformers. Um, guacamole, I loved the. Uh, the wrapping that it was in. It had great soundtrack, great music. The design of it was very good. The concept, you know, the luchador idea, um, the ability just to move back and forth at will between, you know, the world of the dead and the world of the living. Uh, but the the combat system in that, I think we talked about that as well uh, on, on previous shows, it, it's, it starts out as just a very simple kick and punch kind of thing, and you can't really do many combos, but eventually you can get into 20, 30-hit combos um, and they do challenge rooms, and, and just the way it, it all fits together is just very well done. Um, you always feel um, uh, kind of in the same way we've talked about games like Super Meat Boy and, and, and other games like that, where if, if you die, you know it's because you screwed it up. You know, it's not that the game is not being responsive or anything like that. You have a very good concept or a very good grasp on what you're able to do, and when you know, when some of the platforming doesn't work right, it's not because the platforming is bad. It's because, oh, shit, I didn't hit that the way that I should have. Um, and, and just the entire package, the way that it all worked together was very good. I played this game uh, a few ways. It was on Vita. It was on PS3. My optimum setup for Guacamelee was cross-controller. So I was actually controlling, uh, you know, I, it took me a little while to figure it out because it's actually an undocumented feature in the game, but you can actually set it up so that you control the game on your PS3 using the Vita, and then the Vita screen is your constant mini-map that's always there, you know, and it's updating in real time as you move around the game. So, to me, that was the optimum way to play that. I believe that it is coming to PS4, I think. It eventually came out on PC as well, uh, but I feel like I've had the the ultimate Guacamelee experience. Um, so, Guacamelee is <laughs> on the well, the ultimate my, uh, it was the ultimate guacamole experience. So if you have a Vita, if you have a PS3, um, look look it up. You can find out how to do it because, like I said, it's not documented. You have to do it as a remote play as opposed to the cross controller feature. But it's a it's a great way to play that sort of game because, again, as a the, the style of game that it is, where you're doing a lot of uh, traversal and you know searching for hidden things. You know the the Metroidvania idea. Um, having that real-time map there all the time helps you to find all the little special items. You can see where you've been a lot easier. It's just, you know, you don't get lost as much. It's just, it just works really well. Did you just say Metroidvania? <sighs> yeah. I like it. No, I like that a lot. I think that's a good term. Have you never heard that before? <laughs> I don't think I have heard that before, actually. Okay. I just... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those it's one of those terms that I wish I could find a better word for it. But uh, no, yeah. I but like the, it. The idea that you start out very underpowered, and as you progress through the game, you acquire you know, for example, a wall grab or a double jump or a grapple or something like that that lets you access areas that were previously unreachable. So that as you go back, you can get to areas that you couldn't get to before. So sure. of course, after Metroid and uh, Castlevania. Uh, the third game, again, in no particular order on my list of my uh, best experiences of the year, goes to Soul Sacrifice on the Vita. And mm -hmm. uh, talked about this when it came out in April, I think it was. It was a lot earlier this year. And I talked about it on the show, and even then, and, and we've also talked about my experiences since then, but even then I didn't quite know what to make of Soul Sacrifice. Uh, as a kind of Monster Hunter kind of knockoff idea, Sony's attempt at, at trying to capture that... Uh, that monster hunting kind of idea. 
Um, I, I, you know, notoriously on the show said that it was too self-serious. It had this sort of file chic going on because you start the game and you're in these cages of bones and there's blood and bones and bugs and oh my god. Um, book that has tears that are currency. Yeah, the book is made of flesh and, you know, he's, he's kind of wacky, but, um... I've, I've really come to appreciate that game over the probably 60 or 70 hours that I've put into it, which isn't a lot in terms of you know the way some people play those games. Monster Hunter uh, actually itself, Monster Hunter Ultimate came out also this year. I, didn't, I don't know if you guys realize that, but um, some people can just go nuts with that. Hundreds of hours uh, playing these sorts of games. I found Soul Sacrifice to be... Um, much more interesting in in some ways than Monster Hunter. The idea that you you just have more things that you can do at any given time. You can set your loadout to have different kinds of abilities. Whereas a game like Monster Hunter, you've got you know either your oversized sword that has two or three different attacks, you know your lance that has two or three different attacks. You know you're just going out with with weapons that are presumably different, but you're doing the same things all the time. The thing that I liked about Soul Sacrifice and that really spoke to me was that you could build a loadout of different styles. Uh, of weapons, you could have uh, you know projectile weapons. You can have bombs or grenade type things that you chuck out. Uh, you know giant fists that come up from the ground to do you know launch enemies into the air. Uh, the you know the enemies that you're attacking have uh, of course their particular weak spots, just like in Monster Hunter. Um, they may be weak or strong against different types of elements. So you might have a you know a, an earth-based fist, or you could have an electric fist that comes out of the out of the ground. So so you can basically mix and match your different abilities. And uh, I, I just found that a lot more interesting. You know, you could quickly save a loadout, load another loadout, and you know, basically swap things out entirely very quickly from one mission to the next. On the other hand, it's also very arena-based. You know, so whereas Monster Hunter has lots of different little areas you go to in Soul Sacrifice, there's basically one arena of varying size or shape. Uh, so some people don't really like that. Uh, it's also very good multiplayer. Uh, the thing about Soul Sacrifice that I have been really consistently surprised at is that a people are continually playing it online, and B, I haven't personally had a really bad game of Soul Sacrifice even playing with randoms. Um, generally speaking, you know, you're, you're going to get people who at least grasp the basic idea, and, you know, if nothing else, they can provide target practice and, and draw away the monsters, uh, you know, as, as necessary. But um, the music in Soul Sacrifice, I really liked. The uh, the design, I've come to really appreciate. And even the story, the, you know, something that it has that Monster Hunter doesn't is uh, sort of an ongoing, continuing narrative. Uh, Monster Hunter does have, you know, here we're in the village and there's this monster and, okay, now you're going to open different areas. So there's kind of a story going on there, but this actually has a character and here is the story of this character and here's how this story unfolds. Um, and, you know, it's all built into the rubric of, of looking through this book that's pages will, you know, appear, you know, the story of this person will appear and you're sort of reliving the person's memories. And the the narrative idea of malleability. Uh, you know, everything that you do in the game has a cost associated with it. You can only cast this particular attack a certain number of times before you have to figure out how to replenish it. Uh, you know, the monsters that you that you kill, you can either use them to draw more life energy or you can use them to do attacks. Uh, you know, and even your 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 compatriots, even the, the people that you're doing multiplayer with, if one of them goes down, you can choose to consume them, take them essentially out of the game, but launch this devastating attack using their 
their soul essence. Um, and you know, you still get rewarded for that too. So it's not really like a, a win lose scenario. If you're the one who gets sacrificed, you still actually can affect the battle, but you also get special be- uh, bonuses at the end of the game if you, you know, if you survive uh, or if your team is victorious. So just generally speaking, I put a lot of time into soul sacrifice. Um, it also right now is free on, on PlayStation Plus. We've talked about that before. But uh, it, it's one of those things where I, I started out, again, not really understanding it. Then I kind of got it, and then it really clicked with me. Like, every time I played it, I would get more and more into it. And it's one of those games that, you know, you, you guys know. I tweet about Soul Sacrifice. I haven't done it as much lately, but I tweeted a lot about Soul Sacrifice because it's one of those that I felt was generally misunderstood by by a lot of folks. If they didn't like it, I feel like it's because there were some things that they didn't grasp. Um, even the people who did like it may not, you know, as you go back and read some of the reviews that came out around it, um, some, some of those things didn't quite click with people, I don't think. And so it's one of those that I, I, I just want people to, to understand that that it exists and that there there is a really complex and a rewarding set of systems there that, it, it, you know, it's still not for everybody, but if you're willing to spend a little bit of time on it, uh, it, it can be a, a, a really engaging experience. And I, and I continue to play it. It's uh, it's still a lot of fun. So those You are still my think it's too serious, Jeremy? Uh, you know... I... <laughs> to revisit our debate. Yeah, not not so much. I mean, it, it right. is. I, I think I understand more what it was going for. I think, mm-hmm. I, and that's the thing too. Is if you really want, especially, I, I don't know who is going to be impressed by the, the the piles of bones. You know, I mean, if, if, you're really, <laughs> if you're really trying to draw people in, I mean, literally the first thing you see in the game every time you start it is you're in this cage by these bones and goo, and it's like. Oh wow! This game must you know don't don't play around with this. This is serious. Um, and then comes the book with the British accent. Yeah, I, I actually kind of like Libram. I, I like him. In fact, one Wait, of the Wait, I thought you didn't like him. I was sticking up for no, him. Well, like I said, I I have come around on this. Okay. You know, at least at least on on that side of it. But like I said, that's the thing. Even when I had first played it, and and at the time when I gave my impressions on it, I'd still played you know ten fifteen right. hours of it. But I didn't quite understand. I, really what they were going I for. I think as a narrator, as a menu, everything kind of combined, what he does is he does a good job. Yeah, and, and what I'm interested in seeing is, of course, uh, in Japan, I think it just came out or is about to come out, maybe it's coming out at the beginning of next year, is Soul Sacrifice Delta. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure yet if it's coming west. Uh, I don't know if it really did well enough or if it's the kind of thing they're going to invest. But uh, they are kind of doing what I one of the things I really don't like about Monster Hunter, which is instead of doing actual sequels they're kind of doing half sequels point five yeah yeah, exactly absolutely i mean monster hunter 3 ultimate that came out is the third iteration on you know the same kind of idea and you know they and i i really couldn't tell i played a few hours of that i couldn't tell the difference between the wii u version besides the touchpad integration exactly Or i'm sorry between the The wii Wii the original wii Wii version Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah And, and, you know, there are subtle differences. Touchpad was cool. Probably tell you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It actually, it, it tended to work pretty well. You could toggle between, you know, your searching Tools mode. And stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Mode and, yeah, so that was that was kind of neat. But you're right. Uh, you know, you basically, with Monster Hunter, you have a, a new game that gets released, and then you have three or four different versions of it. You know, G, Frontier, Third, right. Ultimate, whatever, and... I guess to some people, maybe that's good, and maybe it drives them to continue, but... Um, the same thing is going to happen with Soul Sacrifice Delta, where they are doing some really cool things. They're actually adding new kinds of attacks, and they, and they specifically are, are going for more combinability of attacks, so that you can, you know, not only you know hit that 
fist from from the earth that stabs people into the air, but then you can also cast a fireball on it, so it becomes a flaming earth fist or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- so they are doing some of that stuff, but Libram is gonna it's gonna be the same general idea, you know, the same characters are come back, and uh, although they are doing new monsters, so they're doing sort of a Grimm's fairy tales kind of idea on it. But I, I just I'm not sure that that is gonna excite me that much. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so Bioshock Infinite, Guacamelee, Soul Sacrifice, in no particular order, were my best experiences of 2013. I, I, uh, I'm not going to expand on all of them. I'm just going to go through them. So Fire Emblem Awakening, really love that. I know, Jeremy, you mentioned it in passing, um, but just a great experience, more personal, uh, especially if you're into strategy role-playing games. Super Mario 3D World, uh, that was the, you know, the Mario game we were all waiting for. Uh, as we mentioned before, Grand Theft Auto 5, just a wonderful all-around experience. It just did a lot of things that we did not expect. And then I made a list of things, an honorable mention, I'll race through. Skylander Swap Force, uh, Disgaea, D2, Brighter, Darkness, Last of Us, Tales of Zillia, Raymond Legends, Resogun, um, Tearaway, Pikmin 3, XCOM, Enemy Within, and Splunky were some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Those are some really good ones. <laughs> some good Those ones. are some really good ones. And I, so I'm th- trying not to. I mean, I know we're I know we're going long on this. And just, just I, oh, and uh, also SteamWorld, um, which just SteamWorld came out for Dig, PC. Actually, yeah, yep. and I was thinking so uh, Dig, just of those experiences sorry. that that kind of put me in a mental zone where I was just having so much fun with it um, that it, I'd forget about everything else. It was kind of this zen-like state. And most of these games would do that one way or another, where I was just, you know, compelled to, to play and play, and I had to pull myself away to eat or go to work or do something else. So, yeah, yep. SteamWorld yes. was on my list of pleasantest surprises of 2013. <laughs> <laughs> I have a whole list of them, but yeah. Those are good. Sage, let's hear your disappointments. My d- <laughs> 2013's most mediocre games. I'm not going to talk about what was mediocre. Um, we know so, we know it was Bioshock. Bioshock. No. You know, actually, <laughs> so so Colonial Marines would have been one of my favorite games if it hadn't have been such a disappointment since, Jeremy, you mentioned one that <laughs> you ended up not being happy with. Oh, that was one, yeah, I didn't even th- think about that. That was one that I looked forward to so much so that I actually bought the collector set, which I never do. And <laughs> oh, then it was no. such... Although the collector set was still cool, because I got the little statuette with the alien on the on the machine, so I, that's okay. But um, but no, Injustice: Gods Among Us is ridiculously yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a really decent fighter. The only thing I missed was the ability to sort of walk three dimensionally on the stage, which I got used to because of Soul Calibur. Mm-hmm. Um, Fez was a great game, even though he's kind of a douchebag, but. Uh, <laughs> He is kind of a douchebag, but that right. game is great. I mean, it was a really right. solid game. Metro Last Light was fantastic. Yes, yes, I'm in um, that game. It's definitely one of my favorite games. And Probably Gunpoint, the best first-person shooter of the year. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they just they, they took everything they had done well, continued it, and then added upon it, which is so unusual in a sequel. Um, and then Gunpoint, which I'm going to talk about later, just because it was so effective and successful, and it's actually um it it deploys that same uh concept of electronic switching honestly most of my other fa- i mean those were ones i had to reach for because most of my favorites i've played have been things from 2012 like the witcher 2 or the cat lady which i'm also going to talk about um 
now. Oh, but I wanted to say, because if anyone out there hasn't checked it out, you should. Amnesia, Machine for Pigs, mm. and Papers, Please were two of the most like critically received, well-received games that came out this year. I haven't had a chance to play them yet. Papers, Please is on sale on Steam right now, and I bought it. I just haven't had a chance to play it, but that has gotten so much fucking positive talk that it makes me like go into it thinking I want to find ways that this game sucked because everyone has talked about <laughs> it like it's the poop of gold that you know that came out of the sky poop of gold that came out of the sky like like the gods like shit out this piece of gold like that's how it's been received I, I, everybody's I like gold, oh god it's this amazing golden goose would be a better yeah probably i mean i think golden poop shit, that came out of the sky was like an ign box quote <laughs> fuck you golden poop that came out of the sky ign i think that also describes ign i'm trying to be fast <laughs> I'm trying to be fast, so that's my 90 seconds. All right. Um, my turn. And uh, Okay, first off, it didn't make the top three, but I'll give a little bit of praise to WWE 2K14 for not being the miserable, glitchy pile of shit that last year's game was. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but at least it was playable, and the roster was fantastic. So damning and, with frank praise. So not... So <laughs> well, I mean, but, it didn't I mean, suck, so I, therefore, game of the year. Well, I mean, well, uh, WWE 13, it had a hell of a lot of potential. I mean, I went out on day one to get it, and I don't do that with a lot of games. And just the core gameplay having such a crucial glitch that didn't get fixed... Mm-hmm. Um, was that the three it count? really, huh? The three count glitch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was. Um, yeah. I mean, it ruined the experience because wrestling is all about protecting the illusion that what you are seeing in the ring is an actual sport going on, and when you have you know a guy that has been retired you know for ten years taking the finishing move multiple times over from one of the company's top stars and kicking out at the count of one, it destroys the illusion that the WWE and wrestling in general just live and breathe on. Right. The drama. The tension. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And um, but WWE 2K14. I mean, granted, it wasn't perfect. I mean, it but it took care of a lot of the issues. I would have liked to have seen a little more two counts, but at least they were in there this time. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, I, I mean, truth be told, I, I walked away from WWE 13, so, throwing my hands up in the air and just saying, "That's it. I'm done. I'm sticking with Fire Pro." And <laughs> if I hadn't, you know, gotten a review copy, which was the first time I've ever gotten a physical review copy and one of my favorite gaming moments of the year, if you will, um, I probably wouldn't have picked it up mm-hmm. just uh, just because of how burned I felt last year. Yeah. So WWE 2K14, that gets a, that gets a honorable mention. Uh, my top three is uh, number three. Uh, 3DS uh, strategy RPG Project Cross Zone, even though it had mm-hmm. a batshit crazy story, which wrapped up surprisingly well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just one of those games that I kept going back to over and over and over again, just trying to get through the entire 70 hour campaign. I think I finished it 72 hours on the nose. Uh, you know, I, I started off and I wasn't not being very impressed with, you know, with the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it just felt like too it felt like too much of a of a, of a clusterfuck yeah you know it's just oh hey 
new chapter. Oh, hey, this character is going to dramatically enter in the same fashion that the other one did, but from a different place or whatever. And, you know, after about 10 hours or so of that, the plot started to kind of come together a little bit, maybe. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, everything wrapped up. You know, all the loose ends were wrapped up perfectly. And I mean, it, it was I'm I surprised myself that I stuck with it that long because it I usually peter out on games by about the you know 10 or 20 hour mark and to stick with it all the way through 72 hours, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it had to have been. It had to have had something special. I mean, obviously, you know, you had all these noteworthy characters from all of these different companies and all these different franchises, and they were all interacting with each other. It it, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a nerdgasm game for me. <laughs> I mean, they've been selling that for I think it was fifteen dollars. Right yeah, it, it's amazing. You know, if you like you know games like the Sky or Final Fantasy Tactics, I mean, it's definitely worth looking into if you have a three DS. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Not, no doubt about it. If you can find the limited edition, which has a twenty-something song soundtrack, I want to say with it, uh, that is definitely worth picking up as well. It's it, it was one game that I just bought on a whim because I saw it and I knew it was getting kind of hard to get. I mean, it didn't pan out to be as hard to get as I thought it was going to be, and um, it, it ended up being you know becoming my most played 3DS game this year by far. Um, but uh, as far as number two goes, uh, it's our teal-haired mm. J-pop goddess, Hatsune Miku Project Diva F. Mm-hmm. This is another game that you know I picked up just on, a spur, on the spur of the moment. I was thinking about pre-ordering it, and then when I finally decided to pre-order, they had already closed the pre-orders at GameStop, and I'm like, okay, I need to find this. And it's not getting easy. And I mean, every place, I, every GameStop I checked, you know, all they had was a gut, gut, gut copy. You know, the ones that have been opened and, you know, people have been, you know, ripping up the manuals and whatever. But I you managed the version to. version that I always get when I go out of my way to buy a new game and it's the last one they have left. Exactly. Instead of buying a used one, I'm like, you know, I'll take, I'll take one for the team. I'll buy a new one. Ends up being <laughs> a gut copy. I never buy those. Yeah. It's hmm. GameStop just. I mean, I mean, hell, even Big Lots prints out duplicate <laughs> inserts. Right. Why the fuck can't the biggest video game chain in the world do it? Yeah, when Big Lots is beating you, it's time to readjust and rethink your drink. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah, but you know, I managed. I did manage to find a sealed copy at, at a GameStop. I bought it, you know, just no doubt about it, brought brought it home, and I think I ended up playing the thing for about four or five hours straight that night. Looking for panties. <laughs> and getting cock-blocked. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it was a very pleasant surprise, especially considering it was just a music game with a very... Mm-hmm. Simple concept to it, you know, just hit four buttons or wiggle the arcade or the uh, control sticks. Mm-hmm. And as it, you know, turned out, you know, the music was great. Uh, it's turned me into a, you know, a fan of the Hatsune Miku character. I'm looking forward to the Vita version next year. I mean, it's it, it did its job very, very well. And I think, 
I think it will be more um, Hatsune Miku games next year. I'm, I'm hoping we're going to get the sequel. But, um, you know, if you can find it, definitely grab it. I think the last time I checked Amazon, uh, I think the... I, th- I think Amazon itself was sold out, and the uh, marketplace sellers were up in the higher fifties for it. So if you can find it and you want it, better get it. And number one uh, was uh, Dead or Alive Five Ultimate. You know, I, I wasn't going into you know DOA Five Ultimate. I wasn't that. I wasn't too hot on DOA Five. I, I wasn't crazy. You know, I wasn't ready for the, you know, the character design changes, you know, to the more realistic style. You know, I, I, they added the power blow, and I wasn't, you know, just out from the outside looking in, I wasn't really impressed with what I saw, or was, wasn't really compelled to pick it up. But, you know, I picked up the Vita version earlier in the year. I fell in love with it, and when DOA 5 Ultimate came out, you know, I grabbed it immediately, and I ended up thinking about uh, 68 hours or something in, into it and wow. platinum it and I it just exceeded my expectations in every way possible and even as you know even if you have the standard vanilla DOA 5 or uh, DOA 5 plus on the Vita it's well worth picking on because of the uh, added Mo- they added Momiji and Rachel from Dead or Alive or uh, excuse me uh, Ninja Gaiden uh, Leon and Ayn returned, and uh, they added Jackie Bryant from uh, Virtua Fighter. And those five additions made the roster so much more cohesive and varied. It just, it was just a great, great fighting game. And, you know, coming up, I'm assuming next year will be the title update that adds. Ready, ready. It's uh, a lolly by the name of Marie Rose. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think it's, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to be a retail release when it comes time for the consoles or what, but mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, whenever they decide to go that to, you know, polish off their uh, dead or alive. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> when they decide Whoa. to, you know, finish off. Okay, that's not, that wasn't really any better, was it? Mm. <laughs> but when they, when they're, I sent some subtext done, here. <laughs> when they're done with Dead or Alive 5 Ultimate, or Dead or Alive 5 in general, I hope they do a, you know, complete edition like Mortal Kombat 7, where they put all of the DLC, or, you know, like the, the Ultimate Edition of uh, Injustice Gods Among Us. Huh. You know, just put all of the DLC together, all of all of the, you know, well, I guess the stages weren't uh, DLC as well, but, you know, just muddle in all the title updates and whatnot. I, I think that it, it needs one more complete retail release, and I'd gladly plop down another 40 bucks to get it. So that was my top three games of the year.
Um, so everyone, we are going to skip impressions this week in the interest of time, but we promise to come back next week and give you some. But I'm going to mention a couple of games only because they are on Steam sale right now. I mean, most of you probably know about the Steam sales that go on until January 3rd. Um, but in the interest of you picking up these great games, I'm going to tell you about them briefly and uh, so you can check them out if you're interested in PC gaming. So uh, Gunpoint is the first one. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, it's gotten a lot of acclaim as an indie game. It was made by Tom Francis. He writes for PC Gamer. He also writes short stories randomly, which is cool. Um, his website is really interesting. He talks about how he feels guilty that the game was so successful and he gives really good advice. Game. So if any of you out there are looking to take a crack at game development, his site would be an excellent one to, ch to check out. Just Google Gunpoint or Tom Francis, you'll find it. So Gunpoint is a really simple but really effective game. You're a smart-ass detective who is uncovering a semi-sinister plot. And as you do so, you're upgrading different tools that allow you to hack electronics in buildings so that you can more easily break into them. It's sort of like a earlier... Uh, idea conceptually of Watch Dogs, um, which is cool that so many of those games are coming out, like the electronic uh, hacking version of things. So um, the power-ups are really fun. They're really funny. There's one that you get near the end of the game because you're going on missions to make money and then you purchase upgrades. So there's one you get at the end that's kicking down a door, one where you just run up to doors and like kick them over and they go careening through the room and sometimes they bounce into bad guys and the bad guys are knocked out. It's like Hotline um, it's, Miami style? Uh, I don't think I played Hotline Miami. Oh. Okay. How did that Hotline one? Hotline Miami is great. Is it? You yeah, kick a door, you kill a guy. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, basically everything was lethal. If you would throw something at someone, it would kill them. If you hit them with a door, it could ki Well, actually, it would mostly knock them over, I guess. But then you could gouge their eyes out with your thumbs. <laughs> so, well, so this one is in the 8-bit, 16-bit graphic kind of way, so it's not that visceral, Jeremy. Um, but, the, but the cool thing and the funny thing, like one of the things he intentionally put in is that you can knock a guy over with a door and it will knock him out. You can also get on top of them and start punching them and it makes a really satisfying like smack, 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 punch them in the face sound. And you can do it as much as you want and then eventually a pool of blood will start to spread out from the body and it'll, it'll give you an achievement like you beat him to death or something. Um, so it's got a good sense of humor about itself. It's got a really good soundtrack. Um, it's got good snappy dialogue options. And Wait a minute. Well, for a minute I thought we were talking about Hotline Miami. I know. Like no. Hotline Miami no. ripoff. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about that, but you, you should play it, and then you'll know, because it's just So it's on sale. Do we know how much for, or...? Uh, last I checked, it was maybe five, maybe ten. A lot of these, a lot, all the maybe games I'm going to mention were, no, all the games I'm going to mention were five or ten, and so since I didn't actually write that down, it, I don't remember which is which. And they kind of, they kind of fluctuate too, like sometimes they'll go on special sales. Right, exactly. Stuff. And, and what's also great about this game is it's a really good, facing wise, cracking detective, and at the very end, you get a, an option to set up sort of a story that recaps how you played the game, and then you can post that to your Twitter, um, or like it sends you to a link and it's like uh, this is how you played through as a gumshoe um also the controls mechanics really simple the puzzles are super engaging definitely worth checking out um and it's hilarious so moving right along uh the cat lady holy shit oh my god this game everybody needs to check out this game um and that's the cat lady no, no, and see, it specifically stays away from, she's not an insane cat lady, she just, so, you play Susan Ashworth, you're, she's a 40-year-old person, uh, woman, I don't know why I said person, she's a 40-year-old woman who, her only friends are cats, because she doesn't trust people anymore, and it's not in a, like, crazy The Simpsons cat lady kind of way, it's just in a, she's very lonely, she doesn't like people anymore, um, it's horrid. Hey, it's me, but in female cat form. 
right? So, but so she kills herself. So the beginning of the game is you kill yourself. And then you're in this limbo between worlds and this character comes to you. Her name is the Queen of Maggots and tells you that um, she wants to give you a second shot at life. Uh, and and you're kind of like, but I don't want one, so fuck off. And she's like, well, for me, and I'm going to make you immortal until you do it. And what she wants you to do is go take out these five human beings who are terrible human beings. They like murder people all the time. They're awful people. Um, she doesn't tell you why. And so part of the game is that you're trying to work out why what's, what's cool is that, um, this game is really compelling in a lot of different ways. So it's made by Harvester. It actually came out in 2012, but it's on sale right now. I like the story. It's a really cool story and it's really effective at evoking a psychologically disturbed response, but without being really cheesy. Mm. Um, and so, like, Ill Bleed, you know, was one of those first games, too, which I bring up all the time because Sean and I played it as one of our first games we played. But uh, Ill Bleed was one of the first games to attempt to exploit insanity as a device and utilize, like, a sanity meter. And this game does that a little bit as sort of a mini-game feature. Like, it's not there the whole time. But it's one of the things this game is really good at is it has all these mini-moments that um, bring in other elements that aren't there throughout the whole game. But it doesn't feel schizophrenic like some games that try to do that it just keeps the experience really dynamic and engaging um it's really really eerie and haunting and it's really visceral it's really gory it comes with strong adult themes and blood and viscera flying around and so please don't play this if you're under 18 um and one thing that Blue would really like about it is it's a really strong, snarky female protagonist without being stereotypical. So she does kill herself at the beginning, but she's not like a sappy person. She just, like one of your dialogue, one of your sets of dialogue options with the Queen of Maggots is to be like, um, fuck off because this is a really weird thing that you want me to do. And <laughs> I've learned my lesson and I want to live again and try and fix my life, but I'm going to do it my own way, so fuck you. And it doesn't change that you're playing the game, but it does change how you interact with those people. Um, so it's, as far as horror adventure goes, it's really, really good. Again, it's either 5 or $10, I can't remember which. Um, and these are the same people that made Downfall in 2009. I don't know if you guys know that game, but it's another one of those kind of horror adventure games. That was a movie yep. about Hitler. Yes. Yes, it was. They created that meme. Yes. No. Um, anyway, the only other thing about it is the timeline does jump a little bit forward and backwards, which is kind of a really um, ingenuitive device. And it can be a little disorienting, but I don't think that's a bad thing actually yet. But I find that part not too disorienting because it, it lets you be just confused enough, which is good because your character is really confused as well. Um, I can't praise this game enough. I think it's really evocative and successful as a game. Uh, the last game that is actually is on sale, but Robert did not maybe enjoy as much. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I would rate this one as highly of the three games. Get it last if you're going to get it. But I played Contrast, um, which no, Robert right and I, were, <laughs> which Robert and I were both really excited about. Um, it came out in November. It's made by Compulsion. Wow. The name is clever because it, you're contrasting a lot of things. You're able to shift between third dimension and two dimensional play. You go from being a running around imaginary friend character to being a shadow person, and you can use shadows to platform jump from place to place. Um, the visuals are great, and the idea is great, and the soundtrack is really beautiful. Like you can yeah. buy it with or without the soundtrack. It's really great, sultry jazz genre stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, and Robert, I think you'd agree with this. There's some inconsistency and some lack of polish in some of the mechanics and how the. I'd say that's an understatement. 
Well, I, not... I was so I saw the trailer and I was like really hyped on just the context, like you mentioned the music, the the period, uh, you know. And I started playing it and it just kind of fell apart. It was like the puzzles and some of the animations. the The animation when the uh, protagonist she moves a light, oh, that mm-hmm. looked uh, looked kind of unfinished, and just the puzzles were janky and not very fun. But it, I it never say, challenged me. Yeah, I mean, it's it definitely just, like, it felt so to... straightforward. Just, and if you okay, want a challenging puzzler, I would say like Gunpoint is a much better just puzzler in general. And it's mm-hmm. it's not that. But I will say this. If you have ten dollars to spend and you want a really cool soundtrack and you and you want a sort of, you know, haunting, creepy plot line, because it does have a little bit of the under dark side of things going on mm-hmm. um, and you don't mind some lacking some polish, hair. I think yeah. I think it's worth checking out because the developer continues. They're continuing to release patches. Mm. Um, so well, they... I, play, I played it on PS4 and I was really kind of disappointed because there's screen tearing, there's frame rate drops. Right. And I know it's that they're, faster. I know they've, I know that they've had more success with it on the PC than on the mm-hmm. PS4. So I'll say if you get it on the PC, you'll have less of what Robert's talking about. Also, they have put out a ton of patches. That makes it sound bad. They've put out like five or six patches, I think, to yeah. fix a lot of the problems that people had identified. And I think that's a good thing. When a developer goes, hey, we took a crack at this game and it didn't really work the way we meant it to. Here's patches. Yeah. I, I at least I think for ten dollars it's worth checking out because you know they're gonna fix the stuff that's wrong with it. So anyway, check those out. They're all on sale. Get the cat lady. Just get the cat lady. It's the best game. Um it's not the best game, but it's really, really good and it's beautiful and it's effective. I can't I can't up talk that game enough. Okay. Are there any cats in it? I don't think you actually said there were cats. There are three cats. Oh, okay. Also, Spore's on sale, if anyone hasn't played that. Spore. I'm not going to talk about mm. it. Yeah. But I will say, <laughs> this, this is the only thing I'll say. I ended up, like, marathoning it. And I have to say, the sense of accomplishment I felt in going from an amoeba to a space-conquering hero within the space of a day and a half was, like, immense. I was like, oh, my God, I evolved so much over such a short period of time. So uh, if you've never played Spore or you want it again, it's, like, $10 on Steam right now. Hmm. Not bad. Okay, those are the sales that I think are noteworthy. Very nice. Okay. So a few things I, I wanted to announce before we move on to trivia. One, I wanted to thank uh, Digo. Uh, he sent me over for Christmas a copy of The Swapper uh, on Steam. So thank you very much. The other thing I wanted to mention is that we are giving away 10 codes uh, for Vulgar the Viking. So to win one of those, great game, very old school design, a um, lot of fun, super hard. Uh, Jeremy, you talked a little bit about a little too hard for you, but if you're more, if you have more chest hair than Mr. Lamont, (laughs) then why don't you, it is not likely that you have more chest hair than me, (laughs) but if you do leave uh, something in the, uh, in the show notes and, uh, there'll be a random drawing for that. I want to say something about Volgar though. I think about it. What about chest hair? You think about it? I think about chest hair a lot. Do you braid it? I think, I think about Volgar the Viking. Actually, I think about like God, I could go back. I could I could beat it. I could do this. You're right. I'd probably just be crushed, but I think about it. So uh, maybe I want. I got to the last level. I haven't beat it. I don't think I'll ever. I ever. Will. I mean, did, I, I, I say that just because it at least has some hook in me that I like. My mind will sometimes think. You about You just that. gotta almost walk away and say and think about. Okay, what am I doing wrong? There's a method to get past everything. Right. Well, it's, I, I mean, know. then it becomes There's like tells. a conversation sort right. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's... I, I can we, can we say that, leave a comment 
leave a comment in the comments, but make it be what your favorite game of the year would be, because okay, I'm sure. actually interested into what other people's were. Let's do that. Okay. I'll post pictures of things with more chest hair than Jerry. No, 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 God, no, no not that. Absolutely not that. <laughs> We're going to get, like, hairy, hairy Tell us your favorite game, indie or otherwise, of the year. That's what you should do. As long as it's Fire Emblem. Extra bonus points if it's the bearded woman. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think it's time to wrap it up. A little bit of trivia. What do you got? Yay. Yay. Yes. Uh, it's, been a long, it's been a while. Let's see if we can still pack it. Muster it up. <laughs> pack it. <laughs> see if I can polish it off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I think you guys will be able to finish. Is it a snack right. lunch? Because that's what I feel like we're talking about. <laughs> All right. I'm like tuna help. I guess. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. You guys. <laughs> question <laughs> one. Awkward with the mention of tuna. <laughs> Question, question one. Question one. Man, those remakes just keep coming. This week sees the release of Shady's Poopong 20th Anniversary, a game which, as the title indicates, replaces the paddles of the Atari Classic with two elongated pieces. <laughs> Sorry, pieces. Of feces. Wow, that was a Freudian slip. I like it. Pieces of feces. Pieces. Wow. <laughs> Although following are power-ups in the game, except one. Name it. A, Taco, which speeds up Shady's head and sends it careening in a straight line. B, Toilet Paper, which creates a barrier in front of the player's goal, preventing one point from being lost. C, Fiber, which adds both C, speed and angle <laughs> to your poop shot. Or D, Laxative, labeled Lax and Crap, increases the size of your poop paddle. Gross. Okay, wait, go. just name them again. Don't explain them, just name them. Taco, Toilet Paper, Fiber, Laxative. I'm gonna say taco. Okay, now, in the game, the, the game was what, what was it? Sharky's 3D pool. <laughs> Shady. Are you looking oh. it up? Because it's cheating. Shady. I'm not looking it up. Why do you need to know the name? It's about poop and pong. I, 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 I thought you said like, pool. What? What was this originally on, and what platform is it on now? Uh, it was for iPhone. Well, I think, right? from what? No, I think it's a PC game. I mean, I, 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 uh, it also came nice. out. The original Pong version came out in two thousand six, and so I guess there's a twentieth. Yeah. Basically, what it is is there's a picture of a toilet, oh. and you're playing Pong on the picture of the toilet. That's it. That's the hook. So anyway, taco toilet paper fiber laxative. You're saying which taco. one is not in it, right? Yes, correct. Taco. I'm, I'm going to say taco. I'm going to say toilet paper, just to be different. Correct answer, fiber. What? No way. Everybody always forgets the fiber. We all suck. Eat more raisin bran. Number two, following following the footsteps of his (laughs) multi-vocational sibling, Luigi seems to have earned his MD, as demonstrated by the the release of Dr. Luigi on the eShop this week. Tokyo-based Akira. um, No. I, I'm sorry. Uh, Arika? Arika uh, worked alongside Nintendo for the game's development. Name the one title which the studio didn't have a hand in. A, Endless Ocean. B, Genji, Dawn of the Samurai. C, Mega Man Network Transmission. Or D, Tekken 3D Prime Edition. Oh, crap. Mm, well, I know that they worked on uh, Endless Ocean. That's, how, that's a matter of fact how I know them. They did uh, several different under, underwater games, uh, I think two for Capcom. You know that for a fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, uh, Arika he did work this. on Endless Ocean. His name is Blue Swim. He knows these things. I what, were the, the ocean. what were the other options? Did you ever, did you ever play that PS1 were... game, Treasures, Treasures of the Deep? That was another. Uh, no, I never did. That was a pretty cool game. Uh, I played a lot of Jaws endless, on NES. 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> LJN, um, Endless Ocean, Genji, Mega Man, or Tekken 3D Prime Edition? I think I'm going to say Genji. Um... Do I win by default if neither one of them answer? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh. I'm gonna agree. I think. I said Genji. Can you hear me? We could not, but so I agree. Everybody, I think it's Genji. Oh, correct right. answer. To Genji, Dawn of the Samurai. Boo! Oh yay! Boo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, Genji's a Sony first party. Yeah, I, I can't imagine they would have farmed. No, no, no. That's uh, what is their name? Game Republic, isn't it? Oh yeah, with that Akimoto guy who's all racist against Americans. What, what is that guy's name? Who's the studio head over there? It's not. I don't think he's he's involved anymore. But you mean the guy that's a giant enemy crab? No, no. <laughs> who who was that? He, he was like notoriously some kind of like racist against Anglo people. Was he like the? Uh, I don't know. Whatever that fish guy's name is, but Japanese. Leonard Nimoy. Huh? <laughs> what? 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 Leonard Nimoy was about the seaman again. The voice of seaman. Yeah, he was the voice of. Uh, I didn't know Seaman had a voice, but here we go. Number Yoshi four, Okamoto, president and CEO, notorious racist. What's his name? Uh, Yoshiki Okamoto. So watch out for that guy. Yeah. Number four, what's behind the name? Tekimin hosts name the origin of Arika's name. A, it's the na- it's the name of company president Akira spelled backwards. B, it means evolved from, as the game staff was once comprised of former Capcom employees. C, the company is named after a character in the Mai Otome anime series. D, translated to ant, symbolizing a folktale between the hardworking ant and the carefree cricket. Robert, I know the answer, but that's a tricky... That's a... It's tricky. It's tricky, I... tricky, tricky, tricky. tricky. What's the answer, guys? It is tricky. Um... I... I so it's it's because it's Akira backwards. That's why. Are you sure? Yeah, I am. <laughs> See, I actually that's the only thing I could figure because I was actually tempted to say B, but that doesn't sound like a Japanese word. I I mean, if if you came up with that thing for B, I think that was very clever because I I was tempted to answer that because that's the kind of thing you would think they would name a company, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't sound like a Japanese word. Well, it's so. tricky because they are made up of former Capcom employees, which is part of one of the other answers. But well, that's right. Not... Well, I, tr- I mean, I trusted him on that. It... Right, but that, it, that's true, but that's not why it's oh. named that. It's named that because it was, what was it, Akiri Nishi something was the guy who started. Yes, we got to give it to Sage. Yes, and I was being yeah. tricky. Uh, Sage, you're right. They're former Capcom employees, but the Evolve from is, uh, is, is totally incorrect. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was eventually working my way around to agreeing with Sage, so I, I demand half a point. There actually is a, is a character in the Mayotome uh, anime series named uh, Arika. Yeah, that flew over my head. I don't even. <laughs> you only know the American anime. That was that was too much. Yeah, it was, right. if it's not Flintstones or Jetsons, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> wow, Scooby Doo. Uh, don't forget three. that Godzilla cartoon. It was really good. <laughs> you know, Jinky. I, I heard that Crunchyroll is available on PS4. And oh, hey, quick, quick note, uh, Blue, you might be interested in this. Did you know that there is going to be a oh. Scooby-Doo uh, cartoon that's based on like wrestling, professional oh, wrestling? It's like a WWE Scooby-Doo. Uh... I can't wait till Vilma takes on. Uh... What's her name? With like real people. I don't. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But there's a lot of speedos and. Speedos are good. 
Is this like, an it, American it, production? It has got to be so bad, it's good. Is this an American production, Jeremy? It, it, I, as far as I know, I don't know who That'd else be. would make something like this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised Hanna-Barbera would uh, lend the rights, but, you know, time's tough. Uh, she doesn't They're still have the their... rights, does she? I, th- I think which one, a, William Penn or Joseph Barbera? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I thought I thought mass- it was a woman that had the rights. I mean, they were no. buried together, and they are spinning in the grave together. Anyway, Actually, one of I think one of them is still alive. Well, maybe I, not. Then. I had a uh, friend in college that was a uh, chauffeur for one of them. I don't remember which. I, don't... I heard that one of the dudes would sign his prints with a pen that actually had his DNA in the ink. Hmm. Interesting. So I mean, kind of like that Kiss comic where they all like poured a vial of their own blood into the red ink and they yeah. sm- smeared it around. Wasn't there a Metallica cover where they also put bodily fluids in there? Oh yeah, the the cover for uh, Load was yep. I think it was terrible. Oh, blood my. and semen. Yep. Something oh. like that. All oh, right, we were. Way it was up. a really neat cover until I learned that. Okay, so trivia question number five. <laughs> One of Doctor Luigi's four trivia game question modes. five. One of Dr. Luigi's four game modes is Virus Buster, which asks players to do what? A, turn their gamepad sideways and use drop, drag and drop interface to play the game. B, listen to the sound emitted by each falling piece to determine what the next piece will be. C, play a simplified version of Dr. Luigi, while the remaining proce- processing power of the Wii U is used for a folding at home style research into studying viral inhibitors. D, team up with online players to take a simula- to take on simulated viral infections which shrink or grow based on player success or failure. I know you're going to have me reread those. Turning the gamepad sideways, listening to the sound, <laughs> simplified version, folding at home, or take um, on simulated no, 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 viral no. Yes. This is the one that I don't need you to do it. Okay. Wait, what's the name of the mode again? Uh, virus virus, virus Buster. Virus Buster, uh, Buster. You know, it would. It kind of. It sounds like a Nintendo. You turn it. You turn the. You turn it vertically. Yeah. You turn it vertically. That's what I was going to say too. Hey, that sounds. Uh, That sounds Nintendo-y. See, I feel like uh, to me, I thought that it would be something more like the last one where you pair up with people, but then I was like, well, that's too ambitious, like online. So <laughs> prob- prob- probably turning it sideways is just Nintendo speed. Like, hey, it's a different game. You just turn it sideways. <laughs> so Did I'll go with nobody, nobody bit on the folded at home style research. I, I it would have been nice, but... but that's not Nintendo. Oh, that's not thing. Nintendo. They don't do yeah, that. They, they can't like... even do online. We, we don't <laughs> even have, uh, have accounts profile accounts on Nintendo's service to make sure that we do not lose our games. They're not going to be complicated enough to do some online folded at home shit. That's like German all right. Norwegian. All right, all right haters, turn it sideways. <laughs> That's <a> great. <laughs> and stick it straight up our candy asses, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hating. I love Nintendo. You smell what desert eagles cooking. Anyway, this week I'll see some of Super Mario Brothers 3 for the 3DS and Wii U. Little did we know when the game was released in 1990 that the cartridge shipped with a small chip inside that allowed the game to do all the following except A, diagonal scrolling, B, split the screen into two sections, C, offer improved music and sound fidelity, or D, animate sprite tiles. I'm going to go with B. I think... Hmm. That sounded like a sound cat lady would make. 
Like the Julie Newmark hat lady. <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> noise is that? <laughs> Don't you ever watch the old Batman Adam West movie from like 1967? Uh, All not the best awesome <laughs> On a daily basis. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say A. Diagonal scrolling, okay. Uh, Super Mario Brothers three, greatest game of all time. Come on. I'm probably gonna get that one wrong thinking about it. Well, I can't think of why they would have split the original up. one, or, or you're talking yeah, about the, the original one. No, I'm talking about the third major iteration, Super Mario Brothers three, the one with the little Tanuki suit. Second sequel. Right. Maybe they were thinking about so, some. Well, the, like, the original one had those pipes, so it was kind of. No, no, I, that's what I meant. Like they didn't make a remake that I haven't heard about, right? I don't know what you've. Oh, a remake of Super Mario Three would be awesome. Well, see, that's why I was confused. They okay, so what did about... for the Super NES? They improved the graphics. Wasn't it? So, Robert, what are, what were the four options? Uh, diagonal I'm scrolling, sorry. split the screen into two sections, improved music and sound fidelity, or animated sprite tiles. So it's a special chip that was in the cartridge that yes, did all of those things except one. Except of them. for one. So right. I think split screen is the one it did not do. Okay, blue. What'd you say? Diagonal scrolling? You said diagonal. Scrolling. I'm gonna say diagonal scrolling because it might just be built into something okay. else. Do you guys remember on the screen there was the top part, which was like the map, and then there was the bottom. And then there was the, the bottom arrows. part that was the, see that was the it's, only thing I was thinking was it split maybe split the screen there, and it also had diagonal scrolling. The only thing it didn't do improved music and sound fidelity. Yeah, okay. I meant... But the music was so good though. I know, that's why I made that a fake answer. Jeez. <laughs> you got wow. Jeremy, we you got learned to read by mind. You did it for the Nintendo one. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> I guess, well, you know, you can't get them all. I mean, the, the listeners have to have some excitement. I mean, if I always win, you know, it's boring. <laughs> it's boring. Yeah. You're too polished. Gee, that's so reasonable of you. All right, who wants to take us home? They were good. They were good ones. Sage will do it. I, I will do it. Wow. Okay. See, she just Except- said so. Except, 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 I don't have the thing in front of me, but what I'm going to say is what we usually say, which is, if you like listening to us chat about things, then you're going to love the stuff that we write about for reviews on our website at takegaming.com. We also post notice of those reviews, etc. on Facebook. And you can follow each of us on Twitter. Robert is mayor of Lollyland. Was that right? Lollywood. 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 Robert is <laughs> mayor of Lollywood. You can follow him at Robert. Say it yourself. Desert. Oh, Robert. I am. <laughs> I, maybe I should listen. <laughs> Tech underscore gaming. Right, and you can follow Jeremy Lawman at Jeremy underscore Lamont. What's Blue Swim's name this week? And you can follow. Um. Hmm. Like Blue salt. likes Buried, to... the most buried in backlog. Twenty fourteen. Blue Swim. How can you have a backlog of 2014 already? Because I got like about ten games for Christmas, two of which are RPGs. But those are, but the oh, I see. It's going to be your backlog. Yeah, Uh, I see. I thought you were saying it was your backlog, and I was like, did you go to the future and you got the games and you brought them back? Secretly, yes. (laughs) And you can follow me, Sage Samarage Morris Green, at Samarage at 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 Twitter. Dot com. No, not dot com. Yes, at dot, dot com. Dot cb. Uh, and that's all the things, right? There we go.
Okay. Oh no, Sean. And you. Oh, you're right. No, you can follow Sean at Sean Nola with two N's because uh, he's not here right now. And Ryan, who really wanted to make it but couldn't, you can follow him at Linus twice. <laughs> <laughs>